All right, welcome to the Krug Show. Hope everybody's having a great Saturday. It is December the 16th, 2023, 917 on the West Coast, 17 minutes after noon on the East Coast. Major Christmas shopping day today, you would think. You got the Niners going tomorrow against the Cardinals. Uh, it is one of the final Saturdays before Christmas and Christmas Eve. And of course, you know, whatever happy holidays to whatever holiday it is that you celebrate here in the month of December. Welcome to the Krug show. The coach will be along running about 20 minutes behind. So what we're going to do is what we did last week is just start off and I will put the link in the description right now. And anybody who wants to jump in via the call can do that as we take care of some business up front um, on the Krug show. Now tomorrow, there we go. So the call link is officially in the in the uh, in the chat. One of the questions I'm asking you guys because today is a big day for football. Believe it or not, um, we get three NFL games and a whole slew of bowl games. That's right, bowl season starts today. This is the matchups we have. I want your I want your your college football or your NFL <clears throat> betting lock of the day. Help make me uh, some money today. It's Vikings-Bengals in Cincinnati. Bengals are three-point favorites at home over the Vikings. It is Colts-Steelers. Colts at home, minus one against the Steelers. And then Broncos-Lions tonight on the NFL Network at 515 West Coast, 815 East Coast. Lions by five over the surging, the suddenly surging seven and six Denver Broncos. What is your favorite side today in the pro game and then today is the beginning of bowl season so there's already a game underway ohio is destroying uh, georgia southern 17 nothing in the myrtle beach bowl the myrtle beach bowl on espn let's turn that bad boy on right now watch a little bit of the myrtle beach bowl uh i am that guy i'm i'm the guy who watches all the bowl games if i can um, I usually tape almost all the bowl games as well because I want to see. To me, this is the final look at the college football season for everybody. A little Myrtle Beach Bowl on ESPN right now as we speak. Um, and I like to take a look at it because, well, one, a number of guys sit out for the, you know, looking ahead to the draft. But the guys who don't, this is their final tune-up, their final college game. I want to see how guys play in their final college game. Usually that tells you a little bit about uh, what they're made of. So Ohio's nine and three, Georgia Southern's six and six, probably shouldn't even be in a bowl game. Um, and what can you say? It's now 20 to nothing Ohio Bobcats over Georgia Southern, which is probably a pretty good bet today because uh, I think Ohio's won a bunch of bowl games in a row. Florida, a uh, Florida A&M also taking on Howard in the cricket celebration bowl. We used to do a segment on the radio bowl or no bowl. I would just make up names and I'd be like, is that an official bowl or not a bowl? People would be, they'd call up and try to win prize packs. Uh, Krug, that's a bowl. No, that is not a bowl. That's a, it's a made up bowl. Um, Jacksonville state and Louisiana. That's coming up later today at 1115. The carriers, new Orleans bowl. How do you go against Louisiana in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the new Orleans bowl. And then Miami app state, at uh, 12.30 from the uh, Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. All right. App State 
in that one, six and a half point favorites. Then New Mexico State, Fresno State in the uh, Isleta, New Mexico Bowl. Then the one that I really want to see tonight, the Bruins are uh, taking on Boise State at SoFi Stadium, I believe, in Southern California in the Starco Brands L.A. Bowl. Bruins are six and a half point favorites, but Boise rolls in hot. They play, I think they've won like five in a row. And then Cal in Texas Tech uh, lock horns in the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. Been there. So it's bowl season. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven bowls to get us rolling on a Saturday. So, and of course, we're looking ahead to Sunday, big Sunday in the NFL, including the Niners. Join us in Corte Madera. Of course, the show is brought to you by Pig and a Pickle. And we'll be at Pig and a Pickle on Sunday for uh, our watch party. In fact, here's a little a little uh, promo on that. So I'll be there tomorrow from noon until, you know, until the place closes down, probably at eight o'clock. Um, you know, we're going to we're going to watch the game at one. We're going to do the post game at four. We're going to have a little barbecue, have a couple beers, talk to some some uh, crew show fans. My whole family will be there. Uh, so if you're in the Bay Area and you want to stop by and see a live viewing of the crew show, we're going to do our post game show from uh, from Corte Madera, from three, four, one Corte Madera, pig in a pickle. 341 Corte Madera Town Center right there in Corte Madera Mall. Um, and it's, you know, I realize it's a it's it's a it's a Christmas shopping day. So if you want to show up, have a beer, hang out for a little bit, go do some Christmas shopping, maybe come back, um, watch a little bit of the post-game show, that would be cool. I'd love to meet all the people who come out for the watch party and the meet and greet um tomorrow. And I'll be there from as I said, noon on, and the game starts at one. Um, and then once the game starts, don't say a word. No, I'm just joking. Um, stop by, say hello, have some lunch, um, you know, have a beer, have whatever you're going to have. And then maybe if you, if you want, it's a great mall, go Christmas shopping. I'll probably, you know, that's what my wife's going to do. She's going to hang out for a little bit. Then she's probably going to go do, do a little Christmas shopping. Then she's going to come back. So it's a, it's a great mall and it's a cool spot. So check us out at pig and a pickle tomorrow for the Niners and the Cardinals, our meet and greet and watch party. And I believe Damon Bruce is going to be there. Kev is going to be in the house. Um, Lots of listeners and viewers have told me they're going to stop by. So I'm looking forward to that. A couple quick thoughts before we um, take some calls here, and then we'll jump in and take a couple calls, maybe before the coach jumps in. Um, I'm I'm not nervous about the game tomorrow, but this is not just a total gimme. The Niners are in first place. The Cardinals are three and ten. On paper, it looks like a gimme. I don't think it's a gimme. It's a division game, and you're going to have to defend Kyler Murray, and he's not easy to defend. And to me, you're going to have to stop the run with no Eric Armstead, no Javon Hargrave. That means it's a huge "what do you got" moment for Kevin Givens, Kalia Davis, and to a maybe a lesser extent, Javon Kinlaw. So those three guys up front have got to keep bodies off of Warner and Greenlaw. Now, I don't even want to see Greenlaw go, to be completely honest. I would sit him out. I think the key to the Niners going to the Super Bowl is getting to the playoffs with a healthy Dre Greenlaw. So I don't know that I would even start Greenlaw. I think I would sit him. He's questionable. Burford's questionable. There's a chance the Niners go without Burford or Banks. And then the question is, who starts at guard? Feliciano would probably start at left guard. Who would start at right guard? Ben Barch? 
He's, I think, believe, I believe he's next man up. A lot of people expect Banks to go. We had Matt Barrows on yesterday. He says he expects Banks to go, but he's listed as questionable. So we'll see how he feels in the pregame. Uh, the Cardinals ranked ninth in the NFL in rushing. They average almost 124 yards a game. James Conner is no slouch. Kyler's hard to contain. So, I mean, to me, that's where this game starts. If uh, Arizona can come in and run the ball, it's going to be as tough a game as it gets. Is Hollywood Brown going to give it a go? That's a big question in this game, because if so, you got the speed of Hollywood Brown, the speed of Rondale Moore. uh, You got the outstanding young tight end, Trey McBride, and suddenly they become a difficult cover. So I think that's a good, that's one to watch. I want to see Purdy just be efficient and take care of the ball. He's been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. Um, He completed 95% of his passes against the Cardinals last time out, 20 of 21, 95.2% completion percentage. I wouldn't mind a little bit more of the same. (laughs) You want to come out and play pitch and catch with your receivers? Um, I mean, the Niners are the better team. There's no question. But it's a division game, and beating this Cardinal team won't be easy. So run the ball, stop the run. Um, I'd like to see a lot of J.P. Mason in this game. I really would. All right, let's do this. The coach is going to jump in, but let's jump into some of the calls. Um, Alan E., I believe, is first up. And then Tyler, or who, who was in there first? Does anybody know? If you were in there first, put up a one. Nobody's put up a one. All right. It's Alan. Alan. What's up, Alan? How are you, man? Uh, how's the mic? You got on mute. Sorry about that. No problem, man. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing great. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Tyler, Texas, was born in SoCo and raised in the Bay Area and listened to you and you, Gary all the time back in the day. Appreciate you. You, you, you know, does, uh, I'm not sure. I'm sure you know, but I don't know if the audience knows. What is the number one, the number one um, industry of Tyler, Texas, and who is the most famous person to come out of Tyler, Texas? I'm pretty sure the last question was uh, former president Tyler. And well, I, I was going more on a football front. Earl Campbell. Earl, yeah, and Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell. And you know what? Ty- Tyler, Texas is supposedly supposedly known for its roses. Yes, I do. They have a great rose garden here, especially during uh, February to May. But if you go anytime after that, the rose garden's kind of already can put. It's dried up at that point. <laughs> So what's on your mind, Alan? What's going on? Not much. I first time caller. Like I said, I listened to you and Gary way back in the day and on KMBR. That was, you know, that's what I had when I went to um, Stanislaus State. Was all I had was KMBR ninety five seven. The game didn't come in down there too well. Yep. Well, we appreciate you listening back in the day, man, and thank you for finding us on YouTube. I hope you're enjoying some of the shows. Oh, I am. I. I try and catch all your um, Friday morning and Monday with Damon and I when I'm at work and I try and catch the Chase Senior show every Friday too. Nice. Chase had to miss yesterday, but we'll we'll catch him next Friday. Yeah, for sure. You guys have the and you're one of the best content creators out there cuz uh with you, Jesse, the coach, everybody that you get on the show, everybody they get, you know, it's it's crazy how quickly YouTube's become the number one over, you know, just standard radio. 
you know, it's so funny that you said that because I'm last night <clears throat> I'm watching, I'm, you know, I'm a Bay, I'm a Bay area guy. So I'm watching the giants introductory press conference for their new free agent signing. His name's Jung Hoo Lee. Right. And he's from yeah. Korea. And one of the questions are, Hey, what do you do? Um, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do when you're at home? And, um, you know, what are your interests? And there's this long pause and he's got this interpreter. And so he doesn't, he doesn't speak English and, he speaks in Korean and the, and the interpreter has to, has to go back and forth. So there's a little lag time. Basically his answer to the question is I like to st- sit at home, uh, watch YouTube and my mother makes me good food to eat. <laughs> Great answer. I'm like that. That's my audience, man. This is, that's my audience. They're at home watching yep. YouTube. That's the world right now. Let's stay inside, watch a little YouTube, and uh, make a little something something good to eat. So that made me laugh when he said that. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I listen as much as I can at work, and my work's actually pretty cool. They let us do whatever we want. We can have our headphones in, listen to books, listen to shows. As long as we have our phone upside down and we're not physically watching, they don't care what we have going on on our phones. So, so can you maintain your Niner fandom in Tyler, Texas? I do every day. It's most of my uh, coworkers are cowboy fans, so it's kind of hard. But one of my bosses is a Niner fan, so it's kind of like okay, I at least got one person to talk to about it. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, what is your thoughts on the game for tomorrow? What are you thinking? Are you are you nervous, or you feel like this will be a blowout? I'm not nervous. I think it'll probably be a close game because it's a division rival, and like they always say, they know each other the best. So. I think the main thing is we're going to have to, Fred might have to spy on Kyler a little more than, you know, than, than he's used to, but I think we'll be fine on defense. And if Purdy keeps just balling out like he has been, we're fine. I'm not, I'm not even, as long as the offense keeps humming the way it's been humming, we're totally fine. And I've been, um, I'm very superstitious when it comes to what I wear for the game. So I've been wearing my Patrick Willis jersey for the last five weeks straight. So nice. Future Hall of Famer, Patrick Willis. I love it. I love it. Yeah. My mom got me a Nick Bosa jersey for my birthday, and my mother in law got me a Brock Purdy jersey for Christmas. Dude, you're set. You got to, you, you know, you can, you can mix it up. Hopefully. Uh, so you got three jerseys total? No, I've got o- around 10 total. Oh, wow. Wow, you got choices. You got choices. Yeah. Hopefully, you'll have to make that decision on Super Bowl Sunday. Which yeah. jersey do you do you wear? Alan, let me let me jump. Unless you got a quick point you want to make, because I'm going to jump to Tyler before the coach gets in here. No, you're totally good. I, I'll call in again. Have a great rest of your Saturday. You too, Alan. Appreciate you, man. Take All care. Right. There you go, Alan E. Checking in. We jump to Tyler. What's up, Tyler? Hello, hello, Larry. I I. I actually used to live in Tyler, Texas, too. My col- uh, my college is in Tyler, Texas. Nice, nice. And where are you calling from right now? Uh, I'm here in my uh, Ohio. I'm from Ohio. Terrific. Well, what's on your mind? So, I think that, be honest, Larry, I think we're going to beat, we're going to beat Arizona terror, uh, horribly. We're, and they're, Blowout! You think you're seeing blowout city, huh? I don't say blowout. I don't say blowout, but I mean like we're gonna we're gonna just beat them, and then we're gonna pull starters in the fourth quarter, 
and then we're just gonna have win, and then we're gonna win our hat and T-shirt. That's right. If they get the win today, if they get the win tomorrow, they get the division title. It's a hat and T-shirt game. It's amazing how, how you introduce a hat and a T-shirt. How much guys get fired up. They ask Shanahan, yep. "What do you want for your birthday?" He said, "Just get me a win." If the Niners get the win, they continue their perfect season as far as the division's concerned, and they win the division title officially. So it's a big day tomorrow. And that'll be a, that'll be a great early birthday present. Absolutely. Hey, Tyler, happy birthday. holidays, man, and thanks for jumping in. You too. Have a good one. We appreciate you. All right, we got a couple calls, and now we bring in the coach. Coach, how are you, man? Tired, man. How you doing, Larry? Good. Just took a couple calls and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a great day today. We get three NFL games. We get seven bowl games today. I'm kind of a bowl game guy. Mm -hmm. I kind of like watching some of the bowl games. I'll be watching UCLA and Boise a little bit later on. So I'm fired up. How are you feeling about the game to the Niner game tomorrow? I feel good. Um, I would call it a trap game, but we just got way too many things on the surface for us as a team. Um, I heard you just mention it. It's a hat t-shirt game. This is so another milestone game for us to continue on to the bigger goal, which is getting to the playoffs and ultimately winning the Super Bowl. But uh, then we we get this division out of the way. Now we're just solely locked on making sure that we uh, sew up the number one seed. So um, we just got bigger fish to fry. Uh, and I think we should just go in there and handle business. What I'm going to be looking for from the Cardinals is their strong running game. Uh, Connor James Connor is coming in. He's got a chance to hit uh to hit uh, a thousand yards this season, and for the rest of the year, he's only slotted to. I think he only has to hit a uh, maybe ninety four yards a game to be able to stay on track for a thousand bills this year. Um, they got a new tight end. I forgot his name, but he's a young guy coming up. He's actually the reason why they let go of Zach Ertz. Trey he's McBride, already, yeah, yeah. Trey McBride. McBride is coming in, and uh, he's already fighting for. Uh, He's already fighting for a franchise record for the most receptions by a tight end for the Arizona Cardinals. So he's uh, motivated to work in. Um, now they lost Zaire White for the year, and they got this other linebacker coming in that is woeful. I think his name is John Woods. Uh, okay. Je yeah, Woods. He's coming in at linebacker struggles. Um, so I'm going to be looking for them to, uh, to, to basically have the same game plan as they did against the Eagles through the, through the air to, uh, stifle uh that linebacking core because they're not necessarily as good as they they can be um intermediate to short passing game but we do have to be a little bit careful because buda baker's back we didn't have buda baker last time we played um so we're gonna handle business we're we're a much more talented team than them but offensively uh i feel i don't i'm not fearing anything they could do in the run game i mean in the passing game especially with how we have an uptick with our secondary but if we had to look at how could they win it would be by slowing the game down. They got a strong running game. They got a good back. Okay. James Conner had a day. He didn't have a day against us last time, but he did. He did fairly good. I think the Cardinals also rushed for over 100 yards on us the last time we played them. Right. They just eked over 100 yards. So uh, we need to be able to tamp down the run game, uh, make sure that we uh, stay on top of McBride and stay away from Buda Baker. I mean, <clears throat> just looking at their numbers, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. and it's hard to look at their numbers because they were going with Josh Dobbs and now they're going yeah, yeah. with Tyler and Kyler's obviously better, um, mm -hmm. but they, they don't run it. I mean, they're 
They're well, I mentioned they don't throw it. They 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 don't they've the 30th in passing offense, they're top 10 in rushing offense. Right. So the, you know, they've they can run it either with Kyler or they can run it with Connor. And Connor, I think, went for four seven a carry last time. Right. And and then um, they don't possess the ball. I mean, they're like dead last <laughs> in the NFL in time of possession. And their third their defense is 30th and their run defense is 30th. So they're giving up almost 140 yards a game on the ground. I just mm-hmm. think that, you know, yeah, take away their run rushing attack. Um, you know, try to try to you know, this is gonna be the huge challenge is keep Kyler, Kyler from running for first downs on on third downs. That's a I great believe, point, Larry. I believe Michael Wilson is out, but I think Hollywood Brown's gonna go. So they mm-hmm. they're gonna have Hollywood Brown. So he's a you know, he's there, he's you know, you gotta basically, I mean, they're they're not a, a deep team. Uh, with the injuries they've had at wide receiver, so to me, mm. it's like, they got okay. quite a few out. I mean, if I'll help you out here, Larry. Uh, yeah. They got uh, Bobby Prouse, Bobby Price out, Tariq Smith out, Chris Barnes was questionable, limited with ribs. Marquise Brown is limited; um, he's questionable with a heel. Uh, Jeff Swain, uh, their tight end is questionable; he's limited with a back. Elijah Wilkinson, offensive tackle, he's questionable with a neck. Uh, Michael Wilson is questionable with a neck, and uh, they had about two, four, six guys that were all they were full go in practice, but they all have something neck, groin, thumb, knee, toe, ankle. Conversely, with the 49ers, man, we're kind of in the same boat, right? Like, as far as injuries are concerned, uh, you relayed to us on Thursday, I believe, to me and Jesse, that the Niners had quite a few guys that sat out of practice, right? Um, Looking at the week 15 injury report, it has shortened up. Since yesterday, yesterday we had about 15 guys on here. Now, um, as far as out um, who, pro, who, who didn't practice, we got Eric Armstead, Aaron Banks, Orrin Burks, Was Dwelly, Javon Hargrave, and, and Elijah Mitchell. Um, Spencer Burford is questionable. That may be something that we can look at. And uh, Dre Greenlaw and Shavarius Ward were questionable. Um, Darrell Luter is still nursing that hamstring, but he was a full go. So we're kind of washing out with the injuries. Our guys just mean a little bit more to us than they do to them, than their guys do to them. But um, conversely, I, I think that this is a good game for the depth, Larry, right? This is a good game to see um, how the young guys are going to step up. We get some proof of concept to see some of these young guys get extended time. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, this is the part of the year where <clears throat> some guys are going to have to step up. You know, we had Matt Barrows on yesterday afternoon, and he, said, he said that Banks is going to go at left guard. And that he practiced Friday. I wasn't down there Friday, so I didn't see practice. But he said he practiced on Friday. So, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like uh, Banks goes at left guard and then Feliciano s- probably slides in at right guard for for Burford. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big question is on the D tackles, you know, with Armstead and Hargrave both out. It's going to put a lot on Givens and Kinlaw and Kalia Davis to play a lot more snaps. And maybe for the Niners to go with their, you know, three D end alignment. Um, the one that I would love to see is I've, even though Burks is out, <clears throat> I'd like to see them hold out Greenlaw. I know it's a big game, but, you know, Winters is, uh, you know, it was interesting. Matt Barrow said that he thinks Winters is one of the fastest guys in the whole team. Um, fastest guys on the whole team? Yeah, he said he thought he, he's shown a lot of speed on special teams. I have to watch that. But, but I mean, Winters and Graham and Flanagan fouls. Yeah, I mean. I want to see those guys play for Greenlaw and Burks. I mean, Burks is out with the knee, but Greenlaw's got him. You know, Greenlaw's got like four different injuries 
that he's playing with. I'd rather sit out Greenlaw in this game, go with Winters, go with Graham, and go with Flanagan Fowles, and then mm-hmm. hope to have Dre back for Baltimore on Christmas because I think that's, you know, I know this is a division game, and you could argue this may, means more because it's a conference game, but um, I, 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 I think if you want to try to win both, and obviously they do, they want to run the table. They they control their own destiny. They you need a healthy Dre Greenlaw to win the Super Bowl. I think so. Yeah. I want to. I'd rather keep him out and go with the young linebackers here. But that and then Elijah Mitchell's out. So I'd love to see a big dose of Jordan Mason uh, tomorrow. Yeah. So you know if you can run the ball, you know an awful lot against a really bad run D. You know keep your defense on the sideline as much as possible. Play complimentary football by doing that. Stuff their run. Keep Kyler kind of hemmed in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- to me, this will be a great challenge and a great prep for Lamar because Kyler is just so elusive. And with without uh, Hargrave, who's your best interior rusher, you're going to have to somehow keep this guy, you know, hemmed in the in the pocket. If they can, I think it bodes well for what they may be able to do against Lamar on Christmas night. That's exactly what I'm here. Uh, what I'm here to see. Uh, you know, this has come up throughout the week, but yeah, uh, the the boys have shown remarkable success in something that is a weakness, and that's why I should be pointed out for its for as great as our defenses have been over the years. The secondary, notwithstanding, the the most the glaring heel uh, Achilles' heel to our defense is mobile quarterbacks, guys being able to get downfield, get outside of the pocket, and expose us really get us tired, keep guys on the field, keep our boys on the field longer, and basically extending drives. Uh, we were afraid of that with Jalen Hurts. They've shown uh, that they can corral mobile quarterbacks this season. That's something that they're showing us different, that they had a little bit of struggle with throughout other times, throughout, um, throughout other times of the year, in previous years, that is. They did a great job against Jalen Hurts. They did a really good job against Josh Dobbs. Um, now they get Kyler, okay? And this is going to be another game where we're going to see, we're going to be able to see that new, that new game plan that they put out with being able to stay disciplined in their rush lanes while rushing the passer. In certain senses, keeping Kyler in the pocket. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if we're able to do this to Kyler, we pretty much should be able to do this to anybody in the league, okay? Uh, this should give us a really good preview, even though they're not the same quarterback, right? they do have certain elements of their game that are congruent, like the athleticism, and that is Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. I feel good about us facing Lamar, keeping him in the pocket and trying to go after him, giving us a litmus test against Jalen Hurst, Josh Dobbs, and finally Kyler Murray. Um, <clears throat> you know, that's the thing. Kyler, containing Kyler has become so important because he doesn't just beat you for five yards. If you give him the angle, he'll go the distance. Yes. So he's, he's, he's that kind of a guy. He's, he's the guy you got to contain, but he's also like kind of a home run hitter. So yes. that, that's the thing that's scary about him. To me, it's like, not only do you got to make sure he stays in there, if he does get out, you know, you got to, you got to, you know, take good angles on him. Like he's a star running back. Cause he's the kind of guy that will take it 50 or 60 yards and, and can, and can make your defense look really, really bad. Um, all right. We, uh, we don't have tons of time today cause I've got to do some moving, but I want mm-hmm. to, uh, I want to do some, we're changing the studio by the way. 
So the studio will get a facelift on Monday. So because tomorrow is game day and I'll be doing stuff at Pig and a Pickle all day. Um, today is the day after this show where we'll be changing the studio, taking down all the flags, taking down the carpet, taking out the bookshelf. Dude, I'm so, so we're gonna, for you, man. We're going to do a whole new studio and it's going to get get installed <coughs> on Monday. So that means today is the uh, the day that I've got us. I've already picked up all the all the wood and all the stuff. And my contractors come in Monday, but I got to clear this room out, uh, which is going to take a good portion of the day later today. So, but I do want to get into one one thing. I think was kind of an interesting topic. Niners Nation had a question: Who has been the unsung hero of 2023 thus far for the 49ers? And you know, it's it's. I got one. It's you know that they have a, the article that they're re, that they're quoting here is a Nick Wagner article, mm-hmm. and he writes about four different guys. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four. We'll see if any of his are on your list. So who he's got four? I'll tell you who they his four are. You tell mm-hmm. me who your number one 49er unsung hero of the year is. Diamondo Lenore. Diamador Lenore. Yeah. Yes. And that is one of his. Yes. Yeah. Diamador Lenore. Lenore is my unquestioned unsung hero for the 49ers. He's not only is I don't I don't want to disrespect him or call him a surprise because he that would say like we didn't expect much. But for how he's playing, he's a bit of a surprise. Like he's playing, he's not just playing better than what he did last year, which was okay. Like he wasn't bad last year. But like, dude. Demo is playing his ass off, man. He's physical, fast, tenacity. He's played two positions this year. Last game he played, he should have had three picks. He's has a corner. He's becoming one of the emotional leaders of the of the defense, dog. He's nasty. He's chippy. He's sticky in coverage. He sticks his nose in in the run game. He's a gang tackler. He's always trying to get you, get the last out of you. I mean, he's the perfect nagging type of corner that you want. The type of guy where you're just not comfortable with him on the field because you're like, where's this little motherfucker at? Like, you just, Demo has really impressed me. I, he's he's really impressed. Yeah, no, that's a great call. Um, you know, I mean, you think about it. The Niners struggled going into the bye with the Bengals. In five games since the bye, the Niners are tied for second in points allowed per game. They're only giving up 13 a game. Mm-hmm, They're mm-hmm. seventh in the league in opponents' QBR. They're third in the NFL in yards per drop back allowed. The Niners' 41 pass breakups plus interceptions since week 10 are 13 more than any other team in football. And you were totally right to highlight Lenore, Coach, because Lenore's given up only one touchdown this season, and it was a broken play in week 13. Um, Steve Wilkes has praised his physicality in the run game. He ranks third on the team in tackles with 67 and his four pass breakups. And, and he has got two as a corner. Yeah. No, he's been great. On this, like being top three and tackling on any defense is impressive. Yeah. Oh, this kid's physical on any defense as a corner is very impressive, but being top three. On any defense in the NFL as a corner on a very good defense. He's not just playing around with guys giving him stats. Okay. 
Oh, he's him so being, good. He's so good as a tackler inside. We're gonna have to pay that kid, man. We're gonna have to pay that kid. I'm telling you. He's, he's good. If, if if his trajectory is more like, dude, I've already we used to think that I keep forgetting our slot corner that was with us before he left. Sure. K1. K1 Williams. Yeah. He's like, I he's K1 better than was K1. just yes. I didn't, I don't even want to say it, but it's the truth. K1 was timely. Right, he was efficient. He picked his spots, dude. Demo is on ten every play, every play. He's like the corner version of Dre Greenlaw. K one, K one was a big hitter, but I think Demo's a better cover guy than K one. Yeah, he's got better coverage ability. It's funny. Here's what Shanahan said. He said, "I can't say enough about Demo. Wherever Demo stays at, he always gets really good at it." We need him in both areas, which which puts a lot of stress on him. But I can't tell you how happy I've been with his style of play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no doubt. <clears throat> I mean, how many guys can play the boundary, step in be- at a moment's notice into the slot and not miss a beat? Come on, man. Come on. And actually, those are really different positions. I mean, one yeah. position, you're a corner outside using the sideline as a defender. The next moment, you're the two-way break. As a pass defender, you got to defend that, and you're almost like a linebacker. You're in the box, and you got to make plays against the run. So different skill sets, and yet this guy does both roles really well. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like uh, playing corner is not the same skill set. There's three different types of positions at corner, right? Really four, right? That dime that dime situation is a whole different set of skill set too. But for him to essentially, if we're looking at this, this is kind of like taking Dre and Fred goes down and saying, all right, well, Dre, you're the mic now. You call everything. You make all the calls. You run sideline to sideline. You don't get to go downhill anymore and just go seek and destroy. Now you got to carry, you got to carry tight ends and slots up the seam. You got to carry the wheel routes. And then for, for Dre to do that at a higher uptick or at the, at the requisite level as Fred, everybody will be ridiculously impressed with Dre. Right. There would be everybody. That's kind of what's happening with Demo and the fact that we have always had a problem ever since we lost K1. I don't I, I don't think we ever really had anybody in that slot position. I think we we forgot about not having anybody there because Jimmy Ward was so versatile. Right. Yeah. And being able to have Jimmy in there kind of made us forget the fact that we don't have a true corner at that slot at that nickel position. Right. But us being able to have Demo where he came in and was strong enough. It's not that slot corner or nickel corner, rather, is a inferior position. It's just a very different position compared to boundary corner, right? And the fact that he came in and we were kind of looking at him just being good at his position and for him to be good enough to get bumped down and still be better than what he was on the outside. He's showing a lot, man. He's showing a lot. We're going to have to pay him, too. Uh, no doubt. No doubt they're going to have to pay him. I, he's earned I, I, it. Yeah, he's been really good. He's been really good. That's a good one. Um, I'll go I'll go with another one. Um, I'm going to go with Ambry. I'm going to go with Ambry Thomas. You know, Ambry Thomas emerged as a starter late in the 2021 season. Then he, 2022, he struggled. He put on, he put on weight. He wasn't as good. Um, you know, Shanahan was saying this week that he thinks Ambry's playing the best football he's played right now. Since stepping back into the lineup for Oliver, 
Ambry Thomas has four passes defensed, which is tied for fifth in the NFL. He's got an interception, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. And he's just, Shanahan said he's gotten better every week. He says, I'm really, I've been really happy with him, uh, him being ready for this and how he's improving as he goes about it. To me, if you said, what's the big turnaround in the 49ers? It's mm-hmm. when they took Oliver off the field, they put Ambry on the field, and they put Lenore in the slot. And I just think Ambry is, he's a really underrated athlete. He's, you know, he's, he's got, he's almost a prototype size, six feet, 195, long arms, really tough against the run, but he's got great body control. Even the touchdown coach that he gave up to DK last week, the coverage was perfect. He was right there. He was, he was right, right there. there. I mean, it was amazing yeah. how they snuck it in behind him there. Um, mm-hmm. It was a perfect. I was surprised throw. he caught it. I know it was amazing too. Cause he, you know, Thomas was flipping around and he just missed making contact with that ball. Uh, it was mm-hmm. almost like they, you know, ball slid around the, the foul pole or something like that in baseball. But yeah, it was a great kind of just fit slip right on his slip right over his shoulder. I love the way Embry's playing. You know, he's improved every, every game. It seems like he plays with a ton of poise. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass. He's given them more speed on their defense. Mm-hmm. And I, I, to me, he's been a really underrated guy. Now, um, you know, Nick Wagner, who wrote this article about the unsung heroes, also listed Aaron Banks at left guard. And that's a good one, too. Banks, is, Banks has been he's really good. I mean, the Niners are dominant. Thing. They're dominant running to the left right now. They lead the NFL in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. They're third in yards per carry when running left behind, gar- behind uh, Banks and, and Trent. Mm-hmm. So Banks has been really, really good. Yeah, I, I love I love where uh, Aaron Banks is. He's been playing hurt, actually. Um, so what what's what's very impressive about Aaron is that he's actually, you know, usually when you're playing and you're looking your uh, in, in the throes of your career as an athlete, you're trying to progress from year to year. But every now and then you you kind of get those those nicks, those bruises where. You're not really getting better. You're just trying to survive, right? Because you're so hurt, right? And honestly, from what what I see with uh, what I see with Aaron is that he's having a real pro season where everything isn't going perfect for him, right? He's had multiple injuries. He's had the toe, then he had the pec and the shoulder. I, I believe it was the bicep, not the pec. He had the bicep. He was out for a game, came back, and. He's just battling, trying to get through the season and doing it at a high level. So that's what we saw out of Aaron coming in. When Aaron first came in, he had a little bit of issues of of his body. All right. He had to get stronger, a little bit more stout. He did that. Came back, had one solid season, and he's coming to put more into his sophomore season as a starter. And I'm impressed with what he's done. He is, in my opinion, our strongest offensive lineman. Okay. As far as point of the attack, if you had to get one lineman to get one body off the line of scrimmage with penetration up the field, I would take Aaron Banks over Trent Williams doing that. Trent's a little longer in the tooth. You got to get a move in space for him to be a little bit more dynamic. He still is class personified of who he is as an offensive lineman, but just the youth, the pop, the strong hands, the pad level, you see all of that from Aaron. Even when he's in his stance, he looks pretty in his stance, rooted, feet down, heels dug in. And he's always helping out uh, Jake Brindle on the backside. Another thing that I like that he does is that he's got very good special awareness with how he 
how he stays in phase with Trent, stays in phase with Jake on backside scoops and on backside scoops and frontside combos. He's doing a very good job in pass protection. Uh, also, to kind of help supplant, to kind of help supplant those injuries, especially that bicep injury. You're noticing that his set, he's not necessarily, uh, he's not soft setting anymore. Where you could soft set, probably take a guy's first move, initially punch and get rooted into a defender. He's hard setting a lot more. He's not giving guys a lot of real estate to get across his face and being able to set guys up at the line of scrimmage and come back. You can't do that without good feet. You cannot do that without good pad level and a strong base, especially when your arm ain't work. You got a you got a weak wing. So um Aaron is battling and he's doing very good, particularly because he's not 100 percent not even close. I'm impressed with Aaron, what if, what Aaron Banks has done this year. Yeah, yeah. He's been good. And he's gonna be their starting, you know, guard for the next decade. I mean, he's he's gonna have a long career. One of the thing I like about Banks is like his walk around weight is probably within five to ten pounds of his playing weight. You know, he's not one of these guys that has to lift tons of weights to to maintain uh, the size. I mean, he's naturally a huge guy. You know, he's naturally three hundred and twenty pounds. So mm -hmm. he's gonna he doesn't have to lift weights and get up to his weight and get down. It's hard when you got to keep putting that weight on artificially. His mm -hmm. natch he's a naturally huge guy. It's funny too because he's got a one year old. And he showed me a picture of his one-year-old. His one-year-old's like, you know, he's like walking around in clothes for like five-year-olds. Got know? a little cub. He got a little man cub on his hands. I mean, this kid is huge. Absolutely monstrous. Um, but yeah, no, Banks has been absolutely phenomenal. And the Niners, as I said, they lead the NFL in running to the left. And a lot of people have asked if that's a problem. Well, um, I'm sure they could load up on the defensive left side or on the defensive right side against the yeah, left you could side try. of the line. But, you know, then they'll run the other way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a dominant combo with Williams and Banks on that left side. So, yeah, the other guy that uh, so those are three of them that that um, Nick mentioned Banks, mm -hmm. Lenore, Ambry Thomas. The fourth one, do you want to guess who his fourth unsung hero is? Fourth unsung hero for the Niners. Man, I want to say if it would be an unsung hero, it would have to be either. It's got to be somebody that nobody talks ever about. Exactly. It can't be a name. So if we're an unsung hero, Mitch Wisnowski. Yeah. He's been doing amazing jobs with, with fielding punts, man. It, it wasn't him? Yeah. I Mitch was right? Good. Yeah. yeah. You got that one right, Mitch Wisnowski. Yes, it was Mitch. Yeah. And I, 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 Mitch has been, been doing fantastic. phenomenal. Yeah, to make the Pro Bowl through 13 games, he's um, having his best season. He's just he's attempted the six fewest punts in the league because mm -hmm. the Niners don't punt a lot. His 42.9 right. net yards per attempt is 10th in the league, um, but it's his ability to pin guys with the touch inside the 20. He's got a league leading 15 punts. Um, where he's dropped all 15 inside the 20, 10 mm -hmm. inside the 10, four inside the five. And he's, I mean, look at this touch, actually. This is pretty amazing. He's got a league leading 15 punts that have come from the 50 yard line or closer. And he's dropped all 15 inside the 20, 10 inside the 10, four inside the five. But how about this? 
zero have been touchbacks. So he doesn't kick it into the end zone. I mean, that's that's remarkable to be able to have that type of control. Um, and dude, I, I, I gotta be honest, man. Were you not surprised with how fast he was? He's a great was, athlete, huh? Was he not fast? Like, I was everybody was surprised that the run. I was just I was like, dude, he is moving. Mitch Wisnowski was out there scooting, boy. So yeah, I, I think he's done a great job. Like I, only reason what made me what tipped me off to Mitch is that we do have these frustrating games where we're we're making teams go to whole field, man. We're making them go to whole field. He's doing a great job, right? Which is kind of valuable, crazy to me because I'm trying to figure out how where I know there's somewhere, but where in our special teams are are we doing bad? Because we're we're ranked like 28th in special teams, aren't we? Some of the coverage units, I mean, we saw Eskridge get 66 yards. We've seen some coverage breakdowns recently. Right. But, yeah, I mean, Tabor Pepper, Pro Bowl, probably. Uh, Jake Moody's been very, very solid. He's been solid. Wisnowski's been incredible. George Odom, before he got hurt, was among the league leaders in special teams tackles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Wisnowski has just been absolutely amazing. That motherfucker um, was moving. He, he, he's, 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 he, you know, there's... This this guy's been totally dominant. He's third in the NFL in percentage of punts pins, pinned inside the 20. He's mm-hmm. pin, he's pinned other teams inside the 20 48.8% of the time. Mm-hmm. And um he's first in pinning team in percentage of pinning teams inside the 10. He's pinning teams inside the 10 almost 28% of the time. And inside and he's first in the NFL in percentage uh, pinning teams inside the five, 11.6. He only mm-hmm. has two. He only has two touchbacks on his 43 punts. So the control, you know, that's it. When you have this kind of defense and you got a punter that's got great touch and can stick it and, and pin you inside the 20, give you long fields, you're starting every drive at the eight, the 10, the 12. And so, you know, that, that's a big part of winning those secret yards, you know, where you start drives are absolutely crucial. So yeah, no, I, I think that's a good one. Mitch Wisnowski has been one of the unsung heroes for sure. Um, right. What about, what about a matchup in this game, coach? Let's talk about some of the matchups. I thought Grant did a nice job in an article that he wrote for mm-hmm. sports illustrated. Uh, people check that out online talking about five key matchups and the five that he's got. George Kittle, Buddha Baker. I asked Kittle okay. about Buddha. Buddha is the best player on the Cardinal defense. Um, and he didn't play that first game, as you mentioned. And, you know, we'll see now what Kittle looks like against Buddha Baker. They always have some good battles. So they always have Kittle, good battles. Kittle and Baker, that's a big one. Uh, Trey McBride and Jair Brown. There we go. Um, that's one that that's one that I wanted to go. Uh-huh. Uh Demo and Rondale Moore in the slot. Okay. So Mooney's questionable with the groin. So um, he's probably, that means we're going to see Lenore on Rondale. Rondale runs 4 3. So that's a tough cover for Lenore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have quite the long speed. You know Post, which one uh, I'm, I'm saying? Which one? John Connor and, and Fred Warner. Yeah. James Connor and Fred James Warner. James Connor. Yeah. James Connor and Fred. If we watch that tape now, that was weeks ago. That was a month ago. James Conner 
gave Fred water. He gave he gave him a, he gave him a little bit more than he could handle when they played. There was some plays where Fred made some business decisions against James Conner. He's a load, man. He's 6'1, 233. Um, yeah, he's, he's a north, he's a north and south runner. He gets downhill quick. Um, and he knows how to use his body, you know. Um, just picture Elijah Mitchell, but bigger, right? He, he's not as shifty as Elijah, nowhere near the speed, but he gets downhill in a hurry, plays behind his pads. And that's a matchup that I want to see. Fred Warner and James Conner. Yeah, I want to see that. That'll be a good one. That'll be a good one because if Connor has success, it's going to be a tough game to it's going to be a tough game to win. Um, another one Grant had here was Nick Bosa, Paris Johnson. Man, Ooh. I love Paris Johnson. He is fantastic. What a great young offensive lineman. And when they went head to head in week four, Bosa had it. zero sacks and only one tackle. Paris Johnson had a good day against Nick. You know, that's the game. We lost this game, right? But you watch. We what we lost this game last game because we're just a better no, no, they, team. The Niners won. I mean, no, no, we won this game. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. We won this game. We beat them is because we're just a better team, right? And we're going to beat them again because we're a better team. But they do have requisite talent that we can be able to look at from a matchup standpoint. I, I do believe that there's good matchups in this game, but they just don't have enough, right? Because for all of the matchups that we that we're talking about. They still don't have enough in the running game. Uh, they're missing serious linebackers that support that really need to help them. I mean, and nobody, nobody game plans to single out defenses like we do. Um, I just don't, I don't, I don't see Arizona being able to sustain a four quarter effort against us. Yeah, I mean, oh, bring up that comment by leaving. That's a very good point. What do we got here? Let's see. It's the last comment by leaving. Hold on, let's see here. There it is. Week four was part of Bosa's training camp. He was still getting ready. Yeah. But I Paris Johnson, Par- I'll say this. Paris Johnson was the sixth pick in the draft for a reason, man. That guy can really play. He really has got talent. I mean, he's a huge man with great feet, and he's going to be an NFL starting tackle for 15 years. I mean, I I think Paris Johnson's going to be really good for a long time. Um, but you know, so that's one matchup to watch. I'll tell you the one that I really want to see is inside where Will Hernandez is super strong, really wide body. And he goes against Kinlaw. Um, and you got no Armstead. He's out with the knee and the foot and you've got, you know, no, um, Hargrave. So Kinlaw makes his second start in a row and he gets Hernandez. Who's a good run blocker. He's a savvy veteran. He's a wide body. Um, you know, the Cardinals offense ranks ninth in rushing attempts. So they run a lot and they average third, they're third in the league in yards per carry. So they are a good running team and Connor's their one back. So if, if Connor's going to have success, he'll run to the edges more than you would think a 230 pound back would, but he also gets it done between the tackles. And if Kinlaw can anchor inside and play with leverage all day. And in this game, his his um, you know his his ability to stay fresh, his endurance is going to be tested. He's going to have to stay fresh throughout this game because he's not going to. Ha- they're not as deep without Hargrave. They'll probably call T. Y. McGill off the practice squad, and McGill's a good mm-hmm. player too. So that's another. And he and McGill's fresh. He hasn't played all year, and he's a veteran. He's smart, so that will help for sure. But um, yeah, Kinlaw Will Hernandez, I think, is a matchup that 
I'm looking for. If Kinlaw can dominate in that matchup, that I think could be one of the most important matchups of the day. You know, yeah, definitely. Sure, because they, you don't want if they can run it and they've got play action at their disposal and they've got, you know, they've got some speed. Kyler gives them speed at quarterback. Uh, Rondale gives them a ton of speed on the perimeter. If they can run the ball and then they can do all these little games with Kyler moving and all these quick hitters to Rondale, I mean, it could be a long day. This could be a very, very tough game. And, the, you know, if you listen to Shanahan, um, you know, his his point, and we have one somebody mentioned it, G, uh, Geo Kane mentions it. He said, just heard the NBC Sports interview. Kyle Shanahan did. He said every game is a playoff game from now on. I mean, that's it's basically – it's basically the mindset, right? I mean, it's like every game's a playoff game. Um, and this the Niners have to have this one. I mean, if they want to can keep if they want the road to the Super Bowl to roll through Levi's, they got to win this game. So in some ways, it's the biggest game of the year. Yeah, you know? it, it is. I mean, every every game is gonna be a one-week season from here on out. Um, yeah. that's just the way they have to approach it. Um, I feel as though We we lose coach there. We earlier is that you, yo we good? Yeah, we're good. No, I I might have hit the wrong button. We 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 lagged out there, but I wasn't sure. Maybe I might have hit the wrong button. Oh, okay, <laughs> I was about to say, man. All, all right, so all of a sudden now we're good. We're good. Froze. Now we're good. That shit fucked. That just freaked me out. All right, so no, but you got to give Kyle credit for how he's prepared the season. Uh, I thought we had a light camp earlier on in the year. I really did. I didn't think that we we practiced as hard. There was a lot of vet days. Christian McCaffrey was held out a lot. Um, and now that you're starting to see uh, where the guys are, where the guys are, even Kyle himself, he said it before uh, before our, our bye week, before we after we had our three game losing streak. He said we look like a tired team. We we look like we need a break. Uh, and that's something that I've never heard Kyle really say before just out loud talking about the energy of the team how hard the team is playing because they do play a very physical brand of football we've seen this team fall apart at the seams going deeper into the season i feel as though that throughout all of the years where we could have where we had a super bowl caliber team this is the healthiest we've been at this point of the season can you remember a time at this point of the season where we didn't have any starting quarterback hurt there wasn't even major injuries at running back we didn't lose a receiver. There wasn't a big corner down. Like, if you think about it, outside of Huff, Huff going down, we haven't really had to sustain any huge injuries to starters, right? Um, knock and, on wood. Yeah, they've, they've, yeah been knock pretty, on wood. they've been pretty yeah. good. I mean, you know, um, if you look at the injuries for the year, mm -hmm. um, they lost Drake Jackson. They've lost Ray mm -hmm. Ray McLeod. They lost mm -hmm. Nick Sakel. They lost a Fonga. They I'm not lost, JP. I'm not. They lost George Odom. Mm -hmm. uh, they lost Kamla too, and Danny Gray. So let's see: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They've had seven injuries. You know, mm -hmm. Afonga, Odom, probably the biggest ones. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Afonga and Odom then, are the biggest losses we've had. But you know, you don't want to lose Huff. But we're pretty healthy, man. We're not. We're nowhere near we were. I mean, think about 2020, Jesus, like we were falling yeah. apart at the seams in 2020, right? So um, this is the best 
our team has looked at this type point in the season, in my opinion. Um, this is the best our offense has looked, okay? Like, at times, we've been trying to gauge what this team's true identity is. Are we defensively led? Are we offensively? Are we offensively led? How are we doing? Um, I, what I really would you think say? What is, is, what, is, what, is, what is the key to their – I mean, what is the the – I mean, like, I'm looking at their offense. The Niners are third. They're third in the NFL in points per game on offense. They're second in yards. Mm-hmm. And that their rushing offense is third, and their passing offense is third. If I said to you, where are they better? Are they a better running team or passing team? What do you think? Oh, a better running team or a better better running team for sure, for sure. We because we, we what what's beautiful about our passing game is we get we can pass without the run, but the pass game blossoms when our run game is on point. Right. So, case in point, the Eagles game we open with the pass. I think the first four plays of the game we passed, we didn't run the ball at all. So like maybe, I think Christian, Mc, we had went two series without, the first quarter, Christian McCaffrey didn't even get a carry, right? Um, and that's the ability of Brock. That's Kyle and Brock, which you see right there, where Brock it has gained the trust of Kyle for him to be able to call the offense in a natural way, right? Where he doesn't have to hold anything back because he doesn't trust what Brock can get done on the field or execute. Right. However, we are a running team because it saves our defense. I feel like running the ball isn't necessarily um, something that we um, lean on purposely, but I feel like it's something to by design. Right. In my opinion, the best player on this team is Christian McCaffrey. Right. So we have to lead with Christian McCaffrey. Right. So we're much better with the ball in his hands, moving the ball on the ground. Um, and that just opens everything up. Not with, and t- on top of our defense being able to play complimentary football on the back end. It's a tough call because McCaffrey, you know, is having an MVP year. He's averaging five two a carry. Mm-hmm. Um, the Niners are really good running the ball, but then Purdy's averaging nine nine on yards per attempt. So every time he drops back to pass, he's he's throwing for a first down. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's you know, I mean, it's like. Beat, you know, you stop, stop the run. They got the pass, stop the pass. They got the run. Uh, it's a very explosive offense right now with lots of weapons. And if long as they can block, I mean, that's really what it's about. If they can block for, uh, up, you know, up front and open some run lanes, I'll say this. I think they've opened more run lanes in this last like month than I remember in the first part of the year. In the first part of the year, it seemed like McCaffrey was doing this despite the O-line. Now it seems like the O line's a little bit more revved up, and the holes are a little bit bigger. He's still making them look better than he, they're making him look, but he um, he is, but man. he's but they're run. I think there's more. There's been more run lanes in the last month than I remember in the first part of the year. So I yeah. give them credit. They're they're getting better in the run game. Yeah, I think also too. Um, they're getting more confident from a from like a unit perspective, and I know this is going to be a little weird, but I, I know you understand what I'm saying. Even though there's only five that make it on the field, right? There's something about the cohesiveness of the O line when there's an injury and you know your backups can play well too. You see what I'm saying? Like the yeah. the O line, there's a confidence level that lifts up by knowing that we almost have a six-man in John Feliciano, right? Where he can come in and be stuck in at center, left and right guard, and we're fine. Jalen Moore can come in 
cover for Trent, and we can get a game plan going with Jalen Moore. You see what I'm saying? At right or left tackle. That brings the offensive line a little bit more confidence. They feel as though they can play a lot better together, okay, where some offensive lines, where once you find your five, you're locked, you know, and you really don't have that backup. You have a guy that's good enough to be a backup, but one of the reasons why he's probably not playing is because he's just not a fit with the other four guys. One thing that I love about our O-line is that John Feliciano has kind of made us forget that he's on the field at times. That's a good thing, right? Um, we've be, He's been, and that's at multiple positions. Jalen Moore, while Trent was down, um, there wasn't, there were ga- there was instances where Jalen Moore showed his talent, the talent disparity between him and Trent. But for the most part, I didn't watch that game saying to ourselves, Jalen Moore hurt us this game. No. So our offensive line may not be traditionally built. We may not have traditional results, but for what we do, it's solid. It's pretty good. And I, I feel good going into any game um, with what, what our offensive line has done this year. Um, and I didn't feel that way until we played Philly. When I seen how we played against Philly, it gave me the confidence, right? I feel like we're not going to see a D-line better than that, right? And we may see a D-line faster. We may see something. We may see a D-line with a little bit more talent on the edge. But interior, interior rush, pass rush in general, stopping the run and being able to flow sideline to sideline, we're not going to see a D-line better than Philadelphia. Right, no, and that's, Philly, go ahead. Philly should be as good as they go up against. We'll see. The Commanders uh, have a good D line too, but they just traded Chase and Sweat, so they're not quite as good. But they're good inside mm-hmm. for sure with mm-hmm. Payne and and Allen. Tyler Carestley says, "Coach Larry Darius Slay's on the IR now with knee surgery." I did go and read that. When you say IR, the first thing you're thinking is Slay's done for the year, but he's not done yeah. for the year. He is going to have it's arthroscopic surgery. Oh, so he's uh, he scoped. is. Yeah, he's getting scoped and he's going to miss this game. So they'll be without him Monday night against the Seahawks. According to Schefter, he says that Slay underwent arthroscopic knee surgery this week. It's going to sideline him for at least one game. Uh, Sirianni declined to say exactly how long Slay would be out. So they do expect him back on the field by the end of the regular season. So there's four games left in the regular season. So he's not gonna he's not going on IR, but no. he is going to have a surgery and a scope on the knee. So um, he did miss the week six. It is interesting though. You know he's had this knee injury all year, and guess what game Slay missed this year? Which the, the Jets game, and that was Man. their loss. So when he was out week six against the Jets, and the Jets, of course, as you guys know, upset the Eagles that day. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, big play Slay is a phenomenal player. He's a five-time Pro Bowler. Um, You know, 12 starts this year. He's got 57 tackles, 14 passes defensed, two picks. He's got a pick six. Um, Pro football focus ranks him 41st among 119 uh, cornerbacks in the league. So um, Kaylee Ringo, the rookie out of Georgia, uh, will probably start opposite Bradbury. So and they also have uh, Bradley Bradley Roby and Josh Job. So we'll see what the Eagles, but that definitely hurts the Eagles to not have Darius Slay. And I don't know, maybe Seattle gets him. I know that Seattle's going to play Monday night at home with tremendous urgency. There's no question there. I think the big key tomorrow, Coach, is can the Niner O-line open holes for the Niner running backs? And I think they should be able to. The I other think this question, is a good game. 
The other question I have is in the first matchup, you know, yeah, Connor went for four, seven, a carry, but the Niners only missed three tackles all day. They, they, they really tackled well. It was early in the year. It was week four. They were totally fresh. They're coming off a game last week where they've missed 14 tackles against uh, Kenneth Walker, the third and, and um, you know, the running back Charbonnet from UCLA, the rookie to me, that, that right there is the big factor for me. Three missed tackles in the first game. They beat Arizona by a nice little margin. If they miss 14 tackles tomorrow against James Conner, this is going to be a close game. Uh, if it's more like it was in the first game in week four, where the Niners are missing five tackles or less, I like the Niners big in this game. But if you miss 14 tackles against James Conner and Kyler Murray, there's going to be some there's going to be some pain involved with that. Definitely. I mean, that's what they're predicating on. Um, predicating on trying to beat us with. Um, just making it a nasty game, trying to hold us by the belt buckle, get us close, take our, take the steam out of our punches, and try to make this a dogfight. That's really the only way that they can get that they can even get close to beating us. Um, it's the same thing that uh, Stefanski said. I um, mean, Cleveland. He said it. He said we're we're bringing them in the mud. They got we got them right where we want them. He said that at halftime with a big shit grin on his face. And that's what teams. That's what teams are going to do to us. They're going to say, dude, the first thing we have to do is we got to mess up their process. The last thing you want to do is play the Niners when they are in rhythm. When they're in flow, there's pretty much nothing you can do about it. When the defense is clicking and getting us off the field, offense is still scoring. By the time we even get our act together, they're up 10 to 14 points. So the MO is out on us. We're a horrible team to start slow against. You better come ready to play and ready to play right away and fast. And most teams, if you don't have enough firepower, what's what most teams are going to do? They're going to try to turn this into um, three yards in a cloud of dust. They want to slow us down. So for me, I, I, I feel like Arizona is the type of team where we're really going to know how this game is going to go down probably in the first three drives of the game. Um, they, if we're struggling to score on these boys, then we need to buckle up. And we're still good. We got enough to get out in the dogfight. But really, I want to be up 10, 14, nothing before these boys even start flipping the field. And then we yeah. need to get out of here because that's kind of where the NFL is now. There's a, there's a shit ton of mediocre teams this year. And Arizona's one of them, right? So you see, I, I hate to say this, man, but you're going to be hard-pressed to see a 60-minute game. Like, you, you see a 60-minute game in the NFL today. You consider yourself a happy customer because most of these games are pretty much done by the third. All right. Yeah. So, and I hope, I mean, for the Niners' sake, I hope it is done by the third, right? But uh, yeah. something tells me these division games, it's like something, there'll be a bounce of the ball, there'll be a turnover, there'll be something, there'll be some adversity in this game that we're not anticipating. I, you know, you can just kind of feel it. But um, the Niners should win this game. If they played this game 10 times, the Niners would win this game nine. Uh, Bradley O says, if Brock wins at all, does he get a new contract in the offseason? If so, how much? No, he does not. No. Uh, he's. He, I think he's got two more years on his rookie deal, right? And they're riding. Uh, they're riding this one to the wheels fall off. Make no mistake yeah. about it. They they'll pay him. Love his. They're going to pay him. They'll pay him one next him. time, but they're not going to yeah. pay him before it's time. Hell no. Nah. Nah, this is just, perfect. It's just not the way it's done. But he will get paid, and he will get paid handsomely when his time comes. But it's not going to be this off season. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Keith Murphy drops this one. He says, unsung hero is Tayshawn Gibson. That's a good call, too. Tayshawn Gibson is a very underrated player. You know, we don't talk a lot about him, but, you know, he's, he's a great ball hawk. I mean, if if the if there's a tip pass in the air, his chances of coming down with it are good. He doesn't. He's very smart player. He doesn't get out of position. He's not the greatest man to man cover guy, and he's not the biggest hitter, but he'll hit you. I mean, he's like pretty good at everything. He's not like I think definitely a year from now they'll move on from Tayshawn. They'll give his job to Jair. They'll roll with Hafanga and Jair next year and probably youth at safety. But Tayshawn Gibson's played well. He really has. He's been right out of my mouth, man. I I agree with you. I agree with you, man. He's played very well. And again, like Demo, but in the inverse, he's playing another position, right? I understand that they like to trade corners, but come on, let's be real. When Huff was out there, we already we know who the true free safety of that defense was. It was Tayshawn, right? Um, so really. With him being able to switch his position, right, play a little bit more in the box, have to play more dynamic, closer to the line of scrimmage, more of that huff role. And then what's crazy is, is that they don't even give they don't even give Gip all of like the cool things that Huff gets to do. When Huff, when when it's time for them to blitz, they then they switch and then they bump Jair down. So Gip's entire game plan is responsibility, running all over the place, playing single high. Because he's got to get the rook ready. He's got to get the rook prepared. And it's been seamless. He's had a couple of blunders where he's missed tackles. You could tell that he's a little longer in the two. So getting him to come down in the box at his age and be a playmaker is something that he's he can do. He's definitely good at it. But it's a little outside of his wheelhouse of, his, of the stage of the career that he's in right now. But even him being an unselfish player and a leader, his play is still elevating and still requisite to as good as the defense is that he's playing on. And on top of it, he's being a leader. He's helping out Jair Brown and giving him consistency um, with his skill set as he goes along in his young career because he needs somebody to help pace him along. If you see it, the Niners, we've been doing this for a while. You saw it with Spencer Burford switching in and out in his rookie season, okay? He got he got paced along the way to, until he could start taking over the full load. In, in certain ways, we've seen it with Javon Kinlaw. All of these interior defensive linemen that are coming in, waiting on him to kind of get his legs up under him so he can start playing full games and eventually take over a starting spot. That's another thing that I'm looking to see in this Arizona game is can can Javon Kinlaw string together back-to-back games in a starting capacity with Eric Armstead being down, right? We're not really – these are very rare moments that we've been waiting to see out of Javon because – He's been fighting that knee injury, and he seems to be on the other side of it. So there's a lot of things that I want to be able to – oh, especially with J- with James Conner being in that run game. I want to see what Kalia Davis, Givens, uh, Devon Kinlaw. I want to see what they're going to do on the interior without Eric Armstead. Arizona, um, for what it's worth, we're not here to make them world beaters, but the facts are the facts. They're coming off a bye. Yeah. Right? They're going to be rested. So, they're going to be – yeah. They're going to be rested, ready, bouncing around the field, high energy. It's going to, mm-hmm. you know, they're, the Niners are going to be dragging themselves through this one. You can almost imagine it. I mean, it's a trap game. You've had some big games, some emotional games. Seattle's an emotional game. Uh, you get, you know, you get Lamar and the Ravens on Christmas. You were in Philly. Now you get Arizona. And it's like, come on, you, you don't fire your A game every week. Odds are the Niners' B minus game is going to be their effort. Arizona's going to be coming with everything they got. 
Um, and I, I think this game's going to be closer than people think. I, I definitely don't feel good about the spread. I mean, I wouldn't bet the Niners with the spread in this game. I, I'd, I'd take the take the Niners on the teaser, uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't bet them the full spread. No way. It's, it's it, not in a division matchup like this. A couple last ones before we call it quits. We're going to go an hour and a half or an hour and 12 minutes in, so we'll okay. go another, another uh, 20 minutes or so. Robbie439 has a good one here. He says, Kyle and Lynch should buy Brock a house as a wedding gift. <laughs> Without him, they'd be unemployed right now, LOL. That's a great topic. Where would the Niners be without Brock Purdy? And let's just say he didn't exist. Okay. So if he didn't exist, okay, Trey Lance would be starting. If Trey Lance, and this is a projection because all we know about Trey Lance is the Niners, gave, the Niners, well, that Niners gave up on him and he's not good enough to beat out Dak Prescott. But that we really don't know. They could love him. Like he he could look great in Dallas, but mm-hmm. he's not beating out Dak right now. And he didn't beat out it didn't beat out Brock. But we don't know what he would be. The rest of it's all speculative speculation. speculation. What would yep. you if I if I if if Trey had been the starter all year with what the weapons they have, Shanahan, this defense, this Niner team, take Brock out. Put Trey in. What's the Niners' record? They're ten and they're ten and three right now. What would they be if they'd gone if they didn't have Purdy and they went with Trey all year? Let me bring up the schedule. Would it be all right? So, what would the Niners be with Trey? Right, if Trey was starting quarterback, yeah, if he was the guy. They're ten and three. This is the Niners for the season. They're ten and three. Mm-hmm. They're five and one at home. They're five and two on the road. Two and two against the AFC, eight and one against the NFC, four and oh in the division. They've won five straight. They're 10 and three. Mm-hmm. If Trey had started those 13 games, what would their record be? They wouldn't be 10 and three. They wouldn't be 10 and three because I just don't know. Um, and Trey and Brock are vastly different players. Um, so there's that. For me, I don't even know if they I don't know if they'd have 10 wins by now if they if Trey was starting. Uh because this is what we gotta go with the devil we know versus the devil we don't, right? I mean it's all a guess. Right? Seen, we're, we're guessing. It, we're exactly, guessing. exactly. Uh, we've only seen Trey for four weeks for four games. Um Brock is giving proof of concept showing that he can lead this team to a Super Bowl. Um he's definitely shown that he can lead the team to the playoffs. To be fair. I had us going nine and eight to start the season. And that's when I thought Trey would be here. So I would say eight and nine. I'd go a game less. I'd two go games, a game huh? less. Yeah, two games. Well, nine and eight. Yeah. Well, they're ten. Well, they're ten. No, they're ten and no, but what would they be right now? They played 13 games. Two what games. What would they less. be in the 13 games? So they'd be uh, a seven win team. Seven, seven win and- team. Yeah. Because you got to call it straight, right? I, I, my prediction was nine and eight, and this is so this is seven when, and six. Yeah, seven and this and is when I and this is when I didn't know. None of us knew that Trey was going to get traded, right? This is when we didn't know who was going to be the starter at the time, right? So as training camp went on, and it was clear that Brock was the guy, and then they, now that they've gone to ten and three at this point of the career, if I'm staying consistent with the original prediction that I had before the season started. Yeah, man. 
if I can say nine and eight, I can't say that they would still be 10 and three if I already had them at nine and eight. And just for, you know, the consistency bump, I'll take it down again. So I'd say there'd be seven and six right now. Uh, I think that's fair. I mean, I, you know, I go game. I, I look at it differently. I look at, okay, they were, they were, bit, they were a lot better than some of these teams, right? I mean, they were, mm-hmm. they beat Pittsburgh 30 to seven. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to say what Trey would have done. Um, so it's all speculation, but I, I'll say they would have lost the Ram game because that was close and they, they lose the games they would have lost and who knows, but, um, I think they probably would have lost at least one of these last three. So I would say they would have two more losses. So that's what I look, I mean, I, I, I would say if you said to me, what is, what would Trey, what would their record be with Trey instead of 10 and three, I'd have them as eight and five. I think they're still. Yeah, I think, I think that's. I mean, that's, good, that's one game off team. of seven and six. Yeah, like they. But they wouldn't still be ten and three. Exactly, they'd be a solid team, but for how for what Kyle has shown us, he prepared for the year, right? What he prepared for the year and what he got, what what he was getting ready to show during the summer. I mean, throughout this, what we've seen in this offense, um, it fits Brock better. It just does. Um, and, I haven't and, seen Trey and, run and, this and, offense. And also, it's like, we don't know how Trey would have played. Right. But you're taking out a guy in Brock that's played like a near MVP. So yeah. so that's they wouldn't fact. have probably gotten as good a play at the quarterback position. But they also have a ton of weapons. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's hard to say. It's hard. Uh, but I would say there'd be two less losses or two fewer wins and two more losses. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think th- some people are like, oh, they'd be six and seven. I don't know about that. That's four. That's a bit fewer, rich, but that's a four I, I, fewer wins. I'm not sure if they'd win four fewer games, but it's possible. I would say this it's is the thing, I, but, but this two. is also we haven't seen Trey in this offense. Right. right? And who knows? We don't know how we would have played. Personally, yeah. I really think that he would have been OK, but a little bit more inconsistent. They yeah. wouldn't have, they and 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 I'm not saying they they would have won these games. It wouldn't have looked the same. Um, but you know what? I, I don't think they would have still won played, these games. If Trey played, I think that we would see a little bit more wear and tear on Christian McCaffrey. I think with Trey playing, you see a lot more defenses sticking to the line of scrimmage, not necessarily because of what Christian McCaffrey brings, but the fact that Trey will be using his legs a lot more. He'd be right. trying to get out. He'd be trying to get downfield. And because of that, I feel like Christian wouldn't necessarily be able to set up those blocks with our offensive line the way he's been doing all year. Um, it'd be a little bit more dynamic, but it wouldn't be as sophisticated as our offense is now. I see us executing at a really high level. And that a lot of that comes purely from Brock. And a lot of that still comes from what? The experience which Trey didn't have. So I've watched this team all year and I've seen the experience that Brock has shine and I've seen what it's done um, with helping players in this offense. And I just don't think Trey would have eventually gotten it with more reps, but fresh out the box, you can't say he, he had that knowledge to be able to fit the gaps. He didn't have enough reps. Yeah, and 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 they they would have been more punting. There would have been a little bit more highlights, a little bit more low lights. It wouldn't have been. It would have been a little bit more topsy turvy. But I'm I'm thinking eight and five, maybe seven and six. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it would have been like as as people said six and seven. Um, 
or even worse. I mean, I think I think he the quarterback has made a difference. The Niners wouldn't have won by as many as big a margin um, as they have, but I think they would have still found ways to win these games. All right, this is a division game. The Niners are on the verge of winning this division. If the Niners win this game, it would be their fifth in a row over the or fourth in a row over the Cardinals. And it would be uh they would be five and zero in the division. Yeah, we, we're be, we're looking for a sweep. Yeah, they're they're two, you know, they, they want to go six and zero in the division. They went six and zero in the division last year. Here's the question. Mm-hmm. The Rams are six and seven. Right. Seattle's six and seven. Arizona's three and ten. The Rams have an older quarterback in Stafford, but they have a great head coach in McVay. Okay. Seattle's got a Super Bowl winning head coach and Geno. And I thought Locke looked pretty good last week, to be completely honest. And then you got Arizona, and you could argue that they are more set at quarterback if you like Kyler. If you don't like Kyler, you could argue they're not more set at quarterback, but they're three and ten. Mm-hmm. If I said to you which team of the three Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals is most likely to, you know, I don't know, run with the Niners, be their top, not their top, top competition in the division. Who's most likely of those three teams to be the Niners number one um, competitor in this division? Let's say for the next five years, I know uh, the, I okay. know the first thought okay. people would say, well, Seattle, because Seattle's probably the best of the three teams this year. I don't know that they are actually. They're tied with the Rams. Rams actually have a better point differential, right? Um, so, and most, but but then you could I can make an argument for the Cardinals just from the standpoint: Do the Rams have their quarterback of the future? No, no. Does Seattle have theirs? I don't no. think so. Arizona probably does have theirs in Kyler, though some people don't like Kyler. Um, I I kind of like Kyler. So, who do you, okay. of those three teams, right? Who's the number one competitor to the 49ers in the next five years? Well, I, it, five years threw me off because if you didn't say five years, I just say the Rams because it's Matt Stafford. Yeah. We don't know if Matt Stafford is going to be Matt Stafford in five years, right? I'm thinking more long term, like in the, not necessarily well, if, if it's if it's long term, not next year, not next 20 years, but like let's say the next. Five to ten years, who do you fear the most out of those three? Well, if Seattle fires Pete Carroll, Seattle. Um Seattle's you don't got like, you don't like Pete Carroll? They just got coach. And I, I don't it's not that I don't like him. I feel like he's uh lost the room. His voice is a little bit uh stale. And it's not that's not a bad thing. That's just that happens in coaching. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um everybody, so, everybody runs their course. Yeah, everybody runs their course. Pete has been there for almost a decade, I believe. Um, and I, I do kind of feel like if they run their course. Seattle is a talented team. They may not be as talented as us, but they got players. They got a lot of pieces. And they're playing, their record is is well below what they should be doing. Um, I feel like they're a little stale offensively. I think they could really do well with an offensive, with the offensively with an offensive minded coach at the helm they've got good running backs they they do very good in scouting so you know the building works right they always do good with getting defensive guys and they always seem to hit in the draft i was impressed with their last couple of drafts especially this one um even though they didn't take jalen carter jalen carter early i like devon witherspoon 
Um, I like what they've picked up. I think that the Reek Woolen pick was a huge hit. Um, they've got tons of pedigree with, with guys coming back. I just think that Seattle could use a facelift in a coaching department, keep the building because the building seems to be able to get the, get the draft right. And uh, they do have some ownership issues too. So I think that's what's kind of hurting Seattle from really being the team that could be our for real divisional foe. Arizona, I just have no faith in Arizona because I just don't feel like Arizona has good football culture as far as there's not enough football people in that room where everything's going to work right for Arizona. I feel like every now and then you're going to get a guy who's like a tennis expert running shit over there. They're just an eclectic franchise, right? They got the weird head coach. Then they doubled down on Josh Rosen, got rid of him. They brought in Kyler to get rid of him. Like, it's just, it seems like they can never even show a modicum of consistency in Arizona. Now, with the Rams, um, at one point, I was afraid of the Rams, but I didn't know what Sean McVay's dedication to the sport was going to be. At one point, he was talking about getting out of here and retiring, which yeah. means that the team completely changes. Um, I never really look at the Rams. The Rams are a team where they're competitive to us by roster only. Um, I don't believe in the franchise as far as like the culture. They really don't have one. Um, every time we go, we bleed out their stadium. Every time anybody goes over there, their stadium, their stadium gets bled out. Um, they've got a good think tank and they've got good roots with football guys and Sean McVay, but it's almost kind of ad hoc. Like they kind of like outsourced it. There's nobody like in house. You kind of feel like the Niners, what, what works with the Niners, in my opinion, is that there's history with Kyle, right? His father was here. You know, he still runs the same type of offense. We have the same type of uh, um, identity as, uh, as what these teams are used to doing, right? So it, it kind of fits. I feel like the Rams are one of those teams where they're just open for hire for anybody who knows how to coach and run a football organization. So I don't really trust the Rams as being a, 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 a strong divisional foe against us. Plus, again, the same thing with Arizona. They got a quarterback, but they bought him. He's not homegrown. That's why the Brock situation for me hits because he's homegrown, right? You could do something with a homegrown guy. He can give you a hometown discount. He can help you out to make sure that we keep your core together. But when you go out and go buy a guy, he doesn't care about the logo. He's an independent contractor, right? I feel the same way about Geno Smith. I feel the same way about Matt Stafford. I feel the same way about Kyler Murray. These guys aren't necessarily galvanized to the franchises that they are. They got paid to be there, right? So um, Seattle's got good roots. They, the building knows how to put together a team. They just got to be able to get their front office together with their, with their owner and get, a, get a, a stabilized situation with the ownership group. Move on from Pete and see where they go from there. The Rams, I kind of feel like they're a football team with no home. I feel like every time we play them, it's like we play them in space. We're not even on earth when we play them. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I don't really believe in the Rams. It's like having culture on top of it. They still got to go out and find a guy. I still am side-eyeing the Rams for buying their Super Bowl, too. So I, there's always a little bit of me that just doesn't ever really want to give the Rams their just due. It's because they cooked the books and were, like, bold about it. Like, yeah, we're just going to throw everything and fuck them picks. We're just going to go get a ring. And now that they suck, I'm glad they suck. They deserve to suck. They didn't do it the right way, right? And with Arizona, again, um, they're all over the place. And I don't like a team that feels like they can just consistently suck 
pick up quarterbacks in the first two to three picks year after year and just get rid of them. You know what I mean? Like, at some point, how many quarterbacks are you going to ship out of Arizona? And it's all of the quarterbacks. No, it's the organization. It's you guys. You guys can't get it together. So that's my take. Um, I'm really a homer on this type of take. I don't care about any of the three teams in our division. I don't think any of them are better than us. I don't think they're better organizations than us. I don't think they have better coaches than us. I don't think they have better players than us. Fuck those teams as a staff, a record label, and a motherfucking crew. (laughs) This is how we roll. It's Niners all day. That's how I'm coming. I'll, you know, I'm going to go, I mean, yes, there's Kyler in Arizona and the Rams have some, you know, some decent pieces, uh, less needs, not a bad GM and McVay's a good head coach. I'm going to still going to go with Seattle just because I, I think John Schneider's a very good GM and I think, you know, he'll probably get it right. Um, I'm also kind of fearful because they have the 13th pick in the draft, you know, come, come April right now. And I'm looking at the mock drafts. They've got Michael Penix of UW um, going 42 overall in the top of round two. And I just can't picture that he would get by Seattle. And and to me, if Penix were to wind up in Seattle, um, he's so dynamic. I mean, he's got the big arm, the great accuracy. Um, they're a quarterback away. Like, I don't think Geno's the guy. I doubt Locke's the guy either. Long term, I mean, Gino's good. Short term, Locke is is not bad. I, I actually think Locke is kind of intriguing after watching him play last week. But if you could, if they could somehow add, get a guy, a little bit more to their defensive front and get their court, get their future quarterback and hit on somebody. And I don't, I'm guessing that it might be Michael Penix Jr., but it may not be. Maybe it's somebody else. Um, I think Seattle. I think Seattle is the team that that concerns me the most in the division just because of the presence of Schneider. I mean, like they looked so far back a couple years ago and then boom, Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas, same draft, Kobe but, but Bryant, Tariq Woolen, Devin Witherspoon. I don't want to give them two that drafts. much I mean, credit. But the, the, but Boye is, Mafe, I mean, they know they're, they, he's made some they good do. Picks. I kept saying that Seattle has a building. They do. They they've got, got a, they've got an architect. Yes, they got a strong building. They got guys who can get in there and draft, scout, and develop. I don't mind that, right? But when you're when the when the organization gives you the player, and the coach seems to be able to not do any, like, come on, man, Russell Wilson was just bailing Pete Carroll out. They didn't have an offense, man. He was just running around, bro. He lucked up with Russ. Offensively, if he had somebody that he had to pace through and develop, look, they're still using the Russ mo- model with Gino. They're like, good enough, still gets the ball out. All right, Gino, go out there and do your thing. It's not like it's not like they actually have like the succinct way of how they go out and win games. Even when we used to play Seattle with Russ, what was so frustrating about losing in Seattle is that no matter how much we was whooping their ass, we would be more prepared than them. All right, we would have everything. We would we would be start out faster than them and what was the thing with seattle when russ was there no matter how much we were winning everybody would just be like well we're just waiting on russ to turn on it's not even the fourth quarter yet here he comes and then he starts that backyard football shit and pete gets all of the credit as being i just feel like pete is a little outdated great great coach great coach but they can go get a guy they can get a quarterback and it's pete's still gonna coach them out of game I, I, that's just how I feel about him. 
I mean, I, 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 you know, he's a defensive coach, and they've had different offensive coaches there. Um, you know, obviously they had that terrible decision on the goal line against the Patriots Jesus. to not hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch. That's going to define that entire legacy. I mean, that they had a second ring. They had a second ring wrapped up, and they coughed it up because they, they just, you know, they didn't hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch on the doorstep. So, I mean, that's. And it's, uh, you know, it's like their legacy. They're, it's the what-if game for them going forward. Um, okay. A couple last thoughts. we got a couple more chats here. Steven Draper says, Trey had only four games. Unfair question. Hate is real. It's not about hate. We're just debating a topic. We're just talking to shit, man. We're just talking. Nobody's hating on anybody. Uh, we both, I, at least I don't want to speak for coach. I think Trey's going to be good when it's all said and done. I've said it the entire time. I've never changed. Um, I think he's going to be good. I just think that we all, myself included, had no concept of how raw he was, how much development was necessary. But to me, there's still three factors, and there's only three factors. Smart enough, he's smart enough. Athletic enough, he's athletic enough. Does it mean enough to him? it does mean enough to him when you're smart enough athletic enough and it means a lot to you it's just a matter of time so i to me yeah it's he, he had a very unique uh situation where he's playing fcs ball on the equivalent of like alabama and probably didn't get the exact tutelage look at the way wentz's career has gone coming out of north dakota state it's difficult to jump from the F FCS to the NFL. I think that's clear at this point. Two, um, it's just going to take some time. He, Because of the pandemic, he missed a ton of time. Um, it's not an excuse. It's reality. It's just what happened. And so he didn't. He had a whole year where he didn't play. Then, you know, then he sat a ton here. He's going to get it going. I really believe when it's all said and done, Trey Lance mm -hmm. will not be the guy that Oh, yeah, he just never played because he was never good enough. And No, he's going to make it. He's going to play. When he does play, he's going to play well. I really I really believe that. It may take a year. It may take two. It may be in Dallas. It may not be in Dallas. It may be somewhere else. But before he's done, he's going to have a career. I really believe that. Um, I don't know how you feel about him, but. I just uh, want to see him get his shot, Larry. That's it. Like, yeah. I, like the four. Like, he's the, a good kid. What was infuriating? Uh, with the with how Trey exited here is I just didn't feel like he got a, he got enough chances. That's all. I just I think four games was just way too small of a sample size, right? And moving on from him, his career got caught more up in the circumstances of where our team was versus the development of where he was, and it was just a tough pill to swallow at the time, you know. But where he is in the league now, it's uh, it's it's really I don't see him. You know, he's got to get out of Dallas. He ain't finding the field in Dallas, right? So Most likely, unless unless there's some major injury to uh, Prescott. Yeah, so I think he would I mean, beat out Cooper Rush, to be honest. I mean, if, if they really, let's just say Dak was done for the year in week four. Right. I, right now, Cooper Rush is their relief pitcher who they're going to number two. But if they really had to lean on one quarterback the rest of the year, I think Trey would, be, would have been the guy over Cooper Rush. I just, that's my, that's my sense of it. The danger in talking about Trey is that if you talk too much about him, then you then it's too emotional because you can only talk about what you've seen about him, and it's not much. 
You know what I mean? We haven't seen much. So right. and they really, paid a ton for him. And that's exactly. So really the discussion about Trey, it it can only go but so far without you injecting your own personal feelings about how you feel about Trey into the conversation. Because if you really want to just talk about football, it's a pretty open and shut case. You can't say he's bad because we haven't seen enough. You can't say he's good because we haven't seen enough. He has been in the league too long not to have reps before his career falls off by the wayside. So until he gets an opportunity to show whether or not he's even worth it, okay, uh, then we'll never know. But at the same time, you got to be fair in a situation that if nobody's really pressing to get him on the field, there is something there too. So everything is everything plays, right? One thing that you have to look at the difference between Brock's maturation process with th this team and Trey's maturation process is, is Brock took his opportunity and he never let it go. Well, he was right? ready. For, he he was ready did, for it. He, he still was ready didn't never let. He still didn't let it go. He still hasn't letting it go. So right. with that, week after week after week, you have to put that. That's on wax. That's on wax. You got to be a good sportsman about it. So it's on wax. Trey came in and he wasn't consistent enough and didn't have enough development to be able to stay on the field and get and get supported by this team. So they moved on and they and they moved on because he was an asset, particularly because of what they spent for him. So yeah, man, it all plays, but I don't know, man. I, I know that if we want to have a what could Trey be conversation, man, we'd be here all day. But that's not rooted in truth, right? What's rooted in truth is Trey hasn't played enough and we don't know what he is. We don't know what he is. And 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 yeah. and that's why, you know, and that's why I'm saying it now, because it's like I'm I want to be on the record of saying you know, how I actually feel about the kid, which is I told you and Jesse and Grant and others that I thought the Niners had two franchise quarterbacks. I haven't seen anything that changed has changed my mind. We'll see how it hasn't happened for him yet. We'll see what we'll see if it does. We'll see if it does. Um, but you just got to remember this. Ever, we're an instant gratification culture. And yet many, many, many NFL quarterbacks weren't good until they were like 27 or 28. The kid's 23 or 24. Um, you know, we're, it wouldn't be crazy if he had three years of development and suddenly at 26 or 27 was, you know, pretty good. There were awful lot of people saying that Gino was terrible and Gino's been pretty good the last couple of years. So I don't know. I mean, you, sometimes quarterbacks take time to develop. The good news for them is that they play, they can play to 40 or beyond. So mm -hmm. even if you take till 30 to figure it out, um, you know, if, if Steve young didn't get it going until he was 31, this kid's 23. Think about that for a second. Yeah. Think about, think about eight years of not, it didn't happen yet. And then still Steve made the Steve made the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying Trey's going to the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying let's not act like this is an open and closed book and that the story's done. It's nowhere close to done. Um and and it may not happen in Dallas, as you said, coach, because I don't see him getting on the field over uh, Dak anytime soon. And Dak's not young, Dak's not old, so he ain't well, going anywhere. So I'm, there, I'm having a little conversation. I'm having a little conversation in the chat with Robbie four thirty nine and He's Robbie. spot on, in my opinion. Um, look at his last chat. He goes, thank goodness for Brock. That's all we need to say. And before he told, he said, bah, 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 bah. we didn't see a lot, Coach, but Kyle did. And they traded him to one of our biggest competitors. That tells us more than anything we can see. I agree with that. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, that, like, that is cold. I mean, let's be honest. It's cold. Thank you. Let's thank be you. Honest, man. Thank you. Or, or, you know what? Or and, and that's all I'm saying. Cold, like, let's, let's, let's look at the whole thing. Very decisive. That was fucking jarring. Right. Yeah. So, and, and, we, and it is kind of, we can talk about anything. We can talk about whatever we want, but that is kind of an indicator that they, they said they think that he's pretty good. But they really wouldn't. You wouldn't trade your big time rival, a you know, a, a real star quarterback. So in by trading him to Dallas, it's kind of personal. It's kind of like, hey, they said they believed in the kid, but they never really showed you they did. And then they traded him to a team that it's hard to believe that they do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, but they said they believed in him the whole time. One thing that I want to get out there. Their actions told us that they didn't believe in him. And then their trade tells you that they don't believe in him. Well, I, that's my read on it. Okay. Okay. That, that could be your read. But this is I might my be wrong. Thing. It's cool. It's cool. I could be wrong too. So I, I, I one thing that that does bother me though, right? If we're going to talk about it, it's week third. We can do it. What does bother me is that the revisionist history of Kyle knew he had his guy all along in Brock. That, well, of course. Yeah. That bothers me. <laughs> like when you see fans say, well, when Kyle, when Kyle drafted Brock and for Mr. Irrelevant, he knew that he was slow playing and he understood what Brock. It, was. it plays better to it be like play better it's, it, it's then, awesome it plays story. better to be like you hey man that way i we knew early on this kid was really special and then it was yeah. just a matter of figuring out a way to get him on the field you know it's like thank you like you know if, i don't know i i love the brock Wait, story okay let me ask you this way, be before anybody, we go off on that go where do go you ahead. think okay because it's I, I agree it's bogus i mean they did draft him so they, they had to like him they had to like him somewhat Right. At what point do you really believe that That the 49ers realized they had something special? I'll tell you right now. It's all speculation. I know. I know. This is good. This is good. This is good. Hold on. Uh, Special. Truly special. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Whatever game this is. Hold on. Where's the game where you see Kyle sitting next to Brock at his locker? This. This game right here is when I was like, it's over. He's in love. I think that might have been this year. No, this is last year. That's last year? Yes. What game is this? Well, I would say it was probably, probably it wasn't the Miami game. I think it was Tampa. That would be his first start. Yep. I think after, after, I think that after Brock, after Brock played in the Tampa game, after his first start, I think Kyle, it was, I don't think he was sold, but it was enough for Kyle to say, Okay, I need to go back and recheck everything now. I need to go. I need to go actually see if he can do everything in the offense now. Um, yeah. I think the Tampa game. It was soon. It didn't take long. I don't think it took long. He called him the real deal. 
when he was coming out of his surgery, three game, three practices into the uh, into training camp. Brock had only practiced three times, limited reps. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely it was definitely last year that he mm-hmm. that they were sold. Mm-hmm. I would I would say it's that Seattle game when he didn't practice the whole week, had a couple busted ribs, and went up to Seattle and beat them. They had not mm-hmm. been able to win in Seattle. Right. And then to go there, you know what I'm saying? And to beat them. Um, and and let me let me just double check the schedule from last year to see exactly what 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 week that would be. So he came in off the bench against Miami in week 13. Then he beat Tampa 35-7 the next mm-hmm. week. I would say mid-December, week 15 last year, where they went into Seattle and he had broken ribs and they still wound up beating C- the Seahawks and he played without practicing the whole week. And he yeah. only threw for <clears throat> 217 yards. But I would say that... You know, I I know that they were wowed when he worked the play clock down in the first preseason game that he ever played Mm -hmm. against Green Bay. Um, But or was it Minnesota? I forget one of those two. But then I, I, I would say they were they were probably believers after he went on the road to Seattle, got his third win in the in a row and and beat them up there with despite not practicing the whole week. That would be my guess is when they kind of said, okay, this guy's, this guy's much better than we thought. Okay. Uh, that would okay. be my guess. Um, okay. What, you know the game what, that got me? Which one? The game that sold me on Brock? Week eight. The loss to the Bengals. I was sold after this week year. This year. Yep. I was sold because he was running around for his life and he was, he was making tons of plays in that game. Despite the fact the Niner defense couldn't stop Cincinnati. They couldn't stop anybody that game. That's the game I needed to see. He threw for three sixty five in that game. The Bengals game is the game where I said, okay, you got to give it up. You got some crow to eat. He's, he's, he's legit. You can do whatever you want with him, but it may not. And this is the thing that's that's beautiful about the game is that it's not about what it looks like. It's how you get it done. And for what it's worth, our offense was not playing well in that game. And he was keeping drives alive with his feet. He was going off schedule. He was accurate, keeping guys alive with the ball. And really, I, I was tweeting in the game. I was like, bro. Brock is playing his ass off right now, and it's only a matter of time before he starts throwing picks because he doesn't have anything else left up his sleeve. Like he's he was literally pulling everything out. Um, and the Bengals game, the Bengals game is when I uh, I, I I was on notice. The Bengals game is what sold me. Ricky Williams just trying to stir the pot here with his 499. Look at this one. Larry Coach, best show on YouTube. If you guys were starting a franchise tomorrow, how many quarterbacks currently are you drafting over Brock? If we had to start what? He's basically saying if we're starting a franchise tomorrow, how many quarterbacks in the league would you take over Brock Purdy? Maybe four. Five. If I had Um, to start now. If I if it was me, I'm taking Josh Allen. Okay. This is this is I I know for sure. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, 
Um, Patrick Mahomes. You know, I'm waiting for you to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say, say Herbert. It. I'm not saying <laughs> Herbert. I'm not saying Herbert. I'm not. And there's and these guys are really close. Like mm-hmm. Prescott's the MVP. Hertz has played really well. Um, Herbert has got huge talent. Lawrence, I'll bring up, I'll bring up, I'll bring up Justin Herbert. Huge talent. I'll bring up Ryan Tannehill. If you bring up Justin Herbert, (laughs) I would say (laughs) the only guys I know for sure, for sure. Like some of them are debatable and I got to think about it, talk about it, that kind of thing. Mahomes. Okay. Allen. Okay. Burrow. Uh Uh-huh. Those three. All right. For me, it'd be Mahomes, Allen and Burrow. Lamar. CJ Stroud, uh, Justin Herbert. Mm, did I say Burrow? No, Joe Joe Burrow. Mm. Do you have Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Hurts? Do you have Hurts? No. So you have those three plus. I have Mahomes, Stroud, Allen, Burrow, CJ Stroud. Yeah, CJ Stroud, Justin Herbert. Uh nope, 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 nope. Tua? Nope. Hell no. 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 Rogers? Aaron Rodgers? I mean, you're you starting a starter team. team. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you could go with an old guy. That motherfucker's um, Methuselah. He's like <laughs> 800 years old. Um I mean, I would take a younger. Of course, I would take that's no, that's no, no. We're talking about right now. We're talking about right now. Oh, right now to start a team? No way you're taking Aaron Rodgers over Brock Purdy. To start a team? No, not start a team. So you're you have him sixth, basically. Yeah, I have him fourth. All right, think mm-hmm. about think about where we've come from and where that is right now. I had him fifteen. I know. Think about where he, where he's at right now. That's all based on this is an evolving conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, this change. The biggest thing about it is to just not be dug in. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, watch the games. With it. We it's have, okay to evolve proof of concept. Um, but yeah, the Bengals. The, that 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 Bengals game is what sold me. I, you saw the you saw the consistency of play, right? And mind you, this is our third loss, and he sold me. When well, we not only when, that, that was also six days after a concussion. Yes. That was another thing. Like he he battled that game. He gutted. He gut out like that game. That was the game where he hit his head and he grabbed his helmet. And he grabbed right? his helmet. Yeah. That game, I felt bad for him that we lost that game. Because honestly, we let him down. He showed up that game. 22 for 31. Three, I haven't got it in front of me now. 22 for 31, 365, 11 yard. Come on, man. He was throwing a first down a throw. 11.8 yards, a th- um, an average, one TD, two picks. His long was 41. The offensive line was paper mache that game, and he only had two sacks. He battled. He battled. Like, that that right there, you ain't a man if you don't admit what you see in front of you. He battled that game. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, One more super. Steven Draper says it was spiteful because of the blow-up with Kyle. Spiteful. What what was spiteful? The trade. Like, how how the whole trade thing ended and how Kyle didn't stand up in front of the team. He he had, I mean, in front of the the media initially. Oh, he, he, did. Had, he did. He had Fred Warner oh, walk out the day of the day. Yeah, of, he had yeah. Fred Warner walk out and then gave out this canned speech right. of like, I was there that all day, of these yeah. questions, and it was just like, dude, what is this? 
You know, like yeah. it, it, it was a weird day. Well, it was weird. It was weird. That was the Thursday or maybe the Wednesday before the game. And it was kind of weird. And then, but then I'll say this. He then kind of saved it by the way he owned it completely after the game. Yeah. When he said that he let him down. Yeah. When I, he basically I, I, fell on the sword and said, Hey, it was me and me. And yeah. Me and when me. he, when he, when he let him, when he said that I feel bad because I let Trey down and he owned it and yeah. said that it was me. I gave him his reprieve. I was like, all right, man. I mean, I'm fucking pissed at you, but you know, at least you were a man about it. You admitted. It. Well, exactly. It was an awkward moment, but, um, that was probably one of Kyle's Kyle's uh, Kyle's, you know, I think best moments is when he owned it. Robbie four, three, nine says in fairness, he was doing a radio hit that day. It wasn't broadcasted because the giants game was uh, yeah, he wasn't, he did a tape deal. No, but I mean, it was weird. They put out Hargrave and, and Warner and Warner and, that day. And, and, and none of us him, wanted to talk to them about that shit. Well, and when we asked him about it, they were like, well, I mean, Hargrave was just like, I don't know anything about it. I don't know. And what do you want me to say? Yeah, that was awkward. That was awkward. Yeah. That was not the good, the good handling of it. All right. Uh, last one. Mm-hmm. 89%. And this is I picking this off of uh, Niners Nation. Okay. They, they have, you know, sometimes they'll do these like little poll questions. It says 89% of 49er fans think that this season would be a disappointment without a Super Bowl win. Now, my question to you is this. How do you feel about that stat? How do you feel about that kind of singular mindset? Is that healthy? Um, I love this. When I see 89% of Niner fans think this season would be a disappointment without a Super Bowl win, I love this. Now, I don't love the you know, hey, Super Bowl or bust talk like every year kind of a thing or this like we it's our birthright to win the Super Bowl. And if we don't, we're going to all act like petulant children who didn't mm-hmm. get the gift that we wanted on Christmas morning. You know, I, I mean, I I get it. And and I understand the rarity of winning these championships. That's where they have parades. Mm-hmm. Heck, the Niners, if you're 25, you've never seen the Niners win a Super Bowl. Never. Um. So, I mean, it's like these things don't happen every year. We all know that. Right. But I love this stat because that tells me that the Niner fan is super engaged on how the Niners actually feel about this thing themselves. John Lynch feels this way. Um, Kyle Shanahan feels this way. Every guy in that freaking locker room feels this way. I feel this way. If the right. Niners don't win the Super Bowl this year, this will be a disappointing year. Does that make us sound like we're spoiled? Yeah. Does it make it sound like we're entitled? Yeah. I get it. But it's not, I wouldn't say this every year, but this year they're all in on the Super Bowl. They got a roster that's ready to win. They're loaded. They're deep. They've, you know, they've got their quarterback. They've got mm-hmm. their, they've, they've got, they've, all these guys have been in this offense and been with this head coach. This team is ready to win right now. John Lynch said it in February. He's like, they're like, hey, is Trey Lance going to play? He's like, well, you know, that's the problem. We got a team that's really ready to win. And then now and now and he's like, and that's the problem. Well, that told us two things. It told us, A, that they were all in on winning this year. And B, they didn't think Trey was going to be their guy. But I love the fact that almost nine out of 10 49er fans will be disappointed if they don't win the Super Bowl, not just go, but win. That is their standard. It's okay to have 
a super high standard. Don't apologize for your super high standard. Lean into it and accept it as reality and live with the pressure that comes with all or nothing. And I love that. I I think Shanahan needs to live on the edge. I think Lynch needs to live on the edge. I think these players need to live on the edge. It all continues tomorrow with this Cardinal game because this is very much a part of it. Getting home field is a big part of it. So I agree with this, and I love the fact that basically nine of it out of every 10 Niner fans that voted here mm-hmm. says it's Super Bowl win or bust. Mm-hmm. Give, me, give me your perspective on it, Coach. What do you think? Usually I like to try to be balanced um, and try to you know look at all of the parameters involved in a situation especially dealing with football because anything is transient. Everything is transient. Everything can move. Um, but I'm taking the cheese this time. The league is down. There is not a team as complete as us in the league, in my opinion. There's not a team um, as stout as we are on both sides of the ball. This year, I feel like the Super Bowl is open for grabs. And it, it, to be honest, nah, scratch that. It's really got our name written on it. The the Chiefs have never looked this mediocre before. The Eagles are just coming off of a three-game losing streak. They look bad. Not three games, two. Two-game losing streak. Two, maybe three if they lose this week. Yeah, they look bad. Um, Josh Allen and the boys over in Buffalo, they're just getting their act together, but they got six losses, right? Joe Burrow's out for the year. Um, we're not, I'm not worried about Dallas at all. And Detroit, they just don't have championship content. They don't have championship pedigree yet. They're just a year away from actually kind of like they're just seeing the biggest games of their regime, right? We've been there before. Uh, it's Super Bowl or bust, man. I know before we would say it all and revenge tour and run it back. And I don't know how many other stupid ass names we've had for season. Sure. But this year, it's time. We got our quarterback. We're as healthy as that we've ever been. And really, the league is not in our way, like, honestly. And we, we don't, hey, good on us. It's not, we don't control the competitive nature of the league. That's not on us for everybody else to step their game up. But it is true. This is a down year. It would be a huge failure if we didn't get it done this year, particularly with this team. I just don't, under, I wouldn't understand it. Even with injuries, keeping Brock upright and being able to win games week in and week, week, in and week out, I would be devastated if we just fell off of a cliff out of nowhere. We got to win. Got to close it out. There's really nobody in our way. And yeah, I agree. I I think it should be higher. It should be 90%, 100%. The Niners have to win this year. All right? Because we're coming up on, let's just talk about a little past this year, right? We're coming up on probably one of the most talented drafts in a very long time. This draft is loaded, okay? It's got tons of quarterbacks, tons of offensive linemen. This draft is loaded, man. And this is the year, man, where we just got a first-round pick back um, off of the trade situation, and we're finally getting guys going. I'd be thoroughly disappointed if we didn't do it this year. Yeah. No, this is the year. This is their year to, 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 uh, to do it. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen, but this is their best. This is their... Last best opportunity with Trent Williams, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, this whole group. Uh, they're loaded. The, the The window's not closing. The, the head coach is young. The GM's young. The quarterback's 23. But mm-hmm. it may be closing around Trent. You know, this may yeah. be Trent's last real chance to win a ring. 
Um, it's not going to last forever. Things go, you know, the NFL, the speed dial on transactions in the NFL is turned up before long. You'll be paying Brock, you know, 25 to $50 million and you won't have this kind of depth. So you got to maximize his, his years left on the rookie deal. And, um, while you have all this talent surrounding him, you're absolutely in go, go mode. So yeah, no, it's super bowl or bust. And, and the Niners, the, the vibe around the team has indicated that they believe that to be true. It's not just coach and Larry on the, on the stream talking big. No, no, this is the way the players feel. This is the way Shanahan and Lynch feel that it's super bowl or bust. Uh, they're not going to be happy with anything short of a Super Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not happy unless we do two hours, and we've done two hours. So I appreciate My everybody man. from stopping by. Hey, everybody, join Coach's show. Go go and join join Coach's channel. Coach, tell people how they can uh, find your content and what you do on your channel. Uh, we're co-streaming today on my channel and your channel, as we always right. do on this right. Saturday. But tell people who maybe have yet to join your channel, what kind of content you put out and how often you put well, it out so definitely, they can, and where they can go to, to get it. All right. Well, definitely the channel is bang, bang. Okay. So it's bang dash bang underscore 49. I'll put it in the chat. Um, and what we do is it's a fan advocate page, man. It's a hundred percent on what the information the fans need to know, how the team is matriculating throughout the season. And, Basically having a really good time with it. I'm humbled by the platform because I understand that it's a privilege. And I just thank every supporter that comes on and gives me even criticizing feedback. You guys can go on my videos. Look at these comments. I don't shy away. I have conversations with everybody because every literal person that subscribes to my channel is a person. I will reach out to you, okay? So with that, we got a call-in show at 3 p.m. right after this show. That's nice. set up. So I'm going to do a today. call-in show. Yeah, today. I'm doing a call-in show right after this show at 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern, which is what? That's 12 p.m. Uh, Pacific. So, so Yeah. Yep. Solo yeah. or or, yeah, or just solo? Solo. Nah, just solo. I'm coming in. I really want to talk to the fans. And it's an open topic discussion. So we could talk about anything Niners. Um, Respect my shit. Be nice. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to have a good time. So I'm ready for it, man. It's going to be good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Steven Draper says Niners win the next two Super Bowls. Book it. Ooh, wouldn't that be great? That yeah. would be absolutely um, awesome. So one more everybody, time, the channel is bang dash bang underscore 49. I'll put it bang in. dash bang underscore 49. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody join Coach's channel and give him a sub. Uh, we thank you to everybody. Yesterday, we passed 31,000 subs on the Krug show. Oh, boy. Today we're at thirty one thousand one eighty. So man, it's the you know the people are joining left and right. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Uh, we had two point five million views of our content so far in the last month. Two hundred seventy five thousand watch time hours. Thanks to you guys. Thanks to Kev. Thanks to everybody associated with Dude, the you. You are cooking. Having a lot of Larry, fun. Larry, too. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Larry. You come in here with the professional side of it, but Larry. You, we know your story. Just take a moment, Larry, to talk about how, just how happy you are about this amazing platform. Larry, this is another yeah. career for you, bro. I uh, want you, I, we need to give you your flowers, bro. Talk, Larry. Go. Well, I just wanted to say, you know, I mean, 
you know, okay. So I scouted football players. I got in, involved in radio in 95. I've been doing radio 95 till 2022. Uh, I was downsized at KMBR in 2022 and immediately started my own YouTube show um, in March of 2022. And I wasn't sure what the future held, if I would be able to keep it up for how long, if it would support the family, so on and so forth. Uh, Here we are, you know, we've been doing this for less than two years and we're at 31,000 subs and climbing. Um, The channel's doing really, really well. It's growing by leaps and bounds. We have sponsors. If anybody would love to sponsor, you can always DM me. We can always talk about it, but we have sponsors to the show. We have traction on the show. My son joined the mix um, about six months ago and has taken us to another level with producing videos. And and now every day, you know, we're doing four or five videos. We're doing two or three live streams and the channel's grown by leaps and bounds. And I get to work with people I enjoy, like the coach. And, um, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. And we'll be redoing the studio on Monday. So we'll have a more professional look and onward and upward. And and thanks to everybody who has supported the channel. And, and by the way, if you go on to the channel on, on YouTube, um, there's a store there, a merch store, and it is Christmas uh, season. So if you want to buy gifts, if you're looking for a gift for one of your friends, uh, you go to the main page of the Krug show. And there's a store and you just click store and you can buy all these different, you know, basically all these different sweatshirts and jackets and hats and that kind of thing with the Krug show logo and everybody. And there's all kinds of different ones on there. If, if everybody who orders anything on the, from the store, um, I create a, um, a video for them individually and, and send it off to you. So that's my promise. I try to connect with every single person who supports the channel. And I just wanted to reach out to everybody and just say, thank you, man, because, uh, uh, I enjoy this more than I've enjoyed any, any job I've had in my career. Um, and, um, I, I enjoy the content. I'm proud of the content that we put out. We're trying to put out better content all the time. Good, you know, good live streams, interesting dialogue, quality videos. It's mostly Niners, but I do a lot of giants and warriors stuff as well it's all bay area sports so anyway thanks to everybody who has supported it if you want to sponsor it just dm me and we can talk it over and um and just thanks because man i couldn't have done this without the audience Thirty-one thousand. i was hoping to get to thirty thousand by super bowl sunday we got the thirty thousand a couple months ahead of time so i just want to say thanks to everybody and and appreciate all you guys so yeah and yeah hey i i Man, I'm so happy for you, bro. And it's just on and on and on, man. We're just going to keep getting better, man. And shouts out to the OG, Coach Cone. Grant Cone, who put us on. There you, know you go. Saying? There you go. Shots In fact, we got a OG. couple more supers here. Vincente Chavez says, Larry has awesome stories. Thank you. Steven Draper says, Grant Cone, coaching tree is real. Yeah, I mean, that was the other thing. I mean, I, I, I didn't mention Grant, but, you know, um, I was, you know, didn't know what, what I what I wanted to do. I was considering radio options. I was considering all kinds of different things, maybe not being involved in sports at all. And I went to lunch with Grant and Walnut Creek, and we just kind of sat down and talked about where he was at, what he was doing, um, how he saw the the uh, the industry, and how I saw it. And you know, he just he was like, "Hey, man, I just I'm having fun on YouTube and." 
I think you would have a lot of fun over here, and this is how you do it. And he was the keys, you know, man. Yeah, seriously, I can't thank him enough. And not only did he not only did he give me the template and show me how, but then he also took the time to to stream with me when I was offering him nothing other than, you know, just kind of sapping off of him, really, because you know, I didn't have any followers and I was streaming mm. with him and he was giving me an opportunity. So Grant and I have a, have a friendship that will go on forever. And I, I appreciate him greatly and, and his father as well. And just, um, you know, I, I realize there's people on my channel every time I stream with Grant who are like, ah, Grant, this and that, but you know what? Um, I, I'm a loyal guy and he helped me when I was down and, um, I'll never forget that. So we're friends forever. So I, there's nothing I, you can say. And I, I feel I understand there are people that, you know, Grant's polarizing, which is why he's doing so well in this. Um, and I understand people were like, dude, I hate, you know, his content and this and that. That's fine. But respect the fact that um, I make my own this decisions. This is a life. Yeah, thing. And it's like, I, yeah. you know, when you're my when you're a friend of mine, you're my friend for life. Yeah. So yeah. I don't I don't try, you know. I gather friends. I don't, uh, you know, I don't have new friends and old friends. I just have friends. So, mm -hmm. um, um, you know, Grant and I are friends. We're going to be friends forever. So anyway, I just wanted to say thanks to all every, to him specifically to all of you guys. And, um, and thanks again for supporting the channel. And if you haven't hit like, and subscribe, please hit like, and subscribe and follow the channel. And, and, uh, we're going to try keep putting out great content and hopefully, um, Right up through the Super Bowl, we're going to be talking Niners on a, on a regular basis. So I uh, love doing stuff with Coach, Jesse, Vish, uh, and all the people that I stream with, Damon and others. Um, so thanks to everybody, but uh, have a great Saturday. Coach, what do you uh, what do you got cooking the rest of Saturday? Are you a bowl game guy? Or are you going to be watching these NFL games? If you could watch one game today, what game are you watching? If I had to watch one game today, or if you, uh, if I said you could only watch one college football game today, what, what would you want to watch? Today? Well, you had Georgia Southern Ohio. You have Howard against Florida A and M, Jacksonville State Louisiana in the New Orleans Bowl. The New Mexico Bowl is, um, or the Cure Bowl is Miami App State. Uh, New Mexico Bowl is Fresno State. New Mexico State. I'm going to be watching. Uh -huh. the, the LA Bowl, Bo Boise State, UCLA. I think that's going to be good. Yeah, that one looks the best. Uh, yeah, all of tonight. these teams look slack. I mean, I would think about watching. Uh, what is this? The uh, Cal versus Tex Texas Tech. Yeah, Independence Bowl and Shreveport. Yeah, the Independence Bowl. But I will. I'll probably watch that UCLA Boise State game. Yeah, that should be a good game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Liatu or Latu, the uh, the the DN for UCLA is just ridiculous. Fantastic. Really? Oh God. Yeah. He's probably, he's probably going to go 15th in the draft, maybe top 10, but he's, he flies off the edge. He makes a million plays. Um, yeah. Go watch that guy. Lot to for, uh, for UCLA. Mm -hmm. All right, coach. Good stuff. And by the way, uh, tomorrow, everybody check us out. We'll be in uh, Corte Madera from, uh, for the Niners and the Cardinals, a little meet and greet the Krug show watch party. Uh, you mm -hmm. don't have to RSVP, just show up, have some barbecue, have a beer, and uh, and go do some Christmas shopping. We'll be in Corte Madera. I'll be there from noon on that tomorrow. That is a nice picture of you, Larry. <laughs> Three, four, one, Corte Madera Town Center. Um, and uh, get some brisket. Get some brisket chili. Uh, have a beer or two. We'll do the post game there. Kev will be in the house. 
should be fun. So join us out in Corte Madera tomorrow. Mm. Coach, have a great rest of your Saturday, man. We'll talk to you. Thanks, Larry. See you next Saturday, bro. Thanks to everybody. Peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you ask.